welcome to James Bond and Friends. We are back on our watch alongs, and who'd have thought that our journey would complete at the end of 2021 with no time to die? So if you're renting the movie on Amazon, Apple, Hulu, uh, wherever, you can listen along with us at the same time as watching on the screen. Um, with us this week, we have Phil, Bill, Calvin, Ben, and Sean. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? This is uh, editor of Fangoria Magazine and darling of Bond Twitter, Phil Neville Jr. <laughs> and uh, I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command, which is now available in audio form on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Calvin Dyson, and I have a YouTube channel of that name. Uh, and I, I I cracked out the Blackwell Run for this recording. Um, right. It Ooh. only comes out for special occasions these days. So uh, here we go. Are you having any fruit with it? Uh, no, no, just right. Coke Zero. Right. Uh, so you've got uh, no limes to buy. Oh, oh wow. James. Oh. Inspiring <laughs> <laughs> yourself from your own podcast. <laughs> every time, every time you do a bad joke, I think we should have Stacy Sutton go, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she. Uh, so I guess it's me, um, Ben Williams. Um, I write for mi6hq.com and mi6confidential magazine. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your uh, your continuation of what you're working on, Ben, about Lieutenant Hip from the Mum of the Gun Gun, with his private detective agency called No Crime to Tie. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Have you got a list of these? Just like, we're yeah, waiting for a moment. Give us a lay of the land here. That's it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it at that. Sorry, Sean. Hi. Um, I'm, I, I'm Sean. I'm Sean Longmore. Um, I'm a designer, and sometimes I do Bond stuff. I make pretty stuff. Um, and this is my first movie proper watch-along, and I'm very excited. I've got, I've even got, sorry, I've even got a drink in a big movie cup, and I felt like I needed to say that. So we've debated um, on chat since the film came out, like, the best time to pee in this film. And when I saw it last in the theater, um, I did it when um, Madeline goes to the bathroom because I thought that's kind of, you know, appropriate. <laughs> and you don't really miss anything because it's just her trying to decide whether to spray the bottle or not and um, know me looking at her like, what are you doing? So that would be my recommendation if you need to pee while you're listening is the bathroom scene. But the beauty of being on demand is we can pee anytime we like, huh? <laughs> I was going to say, um, where are you watching this from, James? Are you recording from the cinema? <laughs> I can't find the pause button. All right. So um, we are watching the US rental version, um, which opens with the lion. If you're, in, if you're in Europe or somewhere else in the world, you may get the Universal logo. But I think the run, the, it should all start at around the same time. Either way. So if everybody's ready, we can do the... Oh, who wants to do the uh, do the lion? I think you should, Sean, because you haven't done it yet. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes, no. inaugural yeah, lion. Yeah, Sean. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just prepare my performance. So if everybody's ready, yep. no time to die. Who'd have thought we finally got here in three, two, one, play. And everyone will be thrilled that it's working. Rawr. 
Rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> oh, that was good. Thank yeah. you. It's all lying. It's a bummer that there's no so should, should we talk for 20 minutes about the gun barrel? <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> um, who, who prefers the uh, the universal version? Because I think I have a fondness for that one, uh, where the universal logo turns into the white dot that goes along the screen. Yeah. Well, it, it turns into the white dot, but the white dot then goes off to the left, and then it comes back from the left. Mm. And uh, I, I thought that was clever, actually. Mm, yeah, um, I liked it. I, I've just noticed now, I've not spotted that before, um, the universal logo, you get less dots going across the screen. So mm-hmm. this version seems to have six or seven, whereas we only got four over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Craig has one less dot. Uh, Craig and Bros and Zero have one less dot than the previous actors. Uh-huh. I know this, having spent a day analyzing all the gun barrels for an upcoming oh article in MI6 <laughs> Confidential Magazine. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, way back in the days of Alt Van James Bond, the text news group, I once did a uh, analysis of the first seventeen gun barrels yeah. mm-hmm. and how they were different. And then I updated a couple times through. Uh, anyway, Quickly, spoiler: only only the first two are the same. The yeah. uh, just talking here on the direction. It's just um, it's it, for a start. The 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 house is beautiful. Uh, you know, they haven't. They haven't gone and made it very kind of, I mean, it's very 90s, obviously, but it's also kind of like, you know, they didn't go down that road of trying to make the it it lean too heavily into a period. And the, the, the lighting's beautiful and direction's lovely. And that lovely push shot through uh, from um, Madeline's room is lovely as well. And it, it's just all this, it's using a lot of, and I'm sure uh, Phil will, talk about this too a lot of horror tropes here to kind of create tension and build it's i think it's a brilliant opener absolutely it's a it's a little mini horror film and all of my my horror crowd sort of got geeked out over this over the 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 little jump cut where you see an empty window and then it cuts away and it cuts back and suddenly he's there it's uh very effective i literally did jump (laughs) (laughs) there it is yeah How many people in the audience do you think were wrong-footed that it opens in French? Uh, <laughs> in France, they were few, I think. Why is he not taking his ring with him? Like, well, why is it- well, also, just before that, we saw all those dots, which were, um, was that like a, a precursor to the uh, title scenes? Mm-hmm. Hmm. There is um. There's no photo in this. No image of um. Mr. White actor Jesper Christensen is there. Um. If there is, no. I haven't seen it yet. I keep wondering if they'll see him in the background somewhere, but there isn't. Is there? I haven't. Well, they had to cut the budget somewhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I wonder because it feels quite odd that his character has quite a big shadow over this whole uh narrative, and there's no kind of visual representation of him anywhere, as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he asked for too much money. Mm. Or does does that make him feel a bit more? Sorry, I was going to say, does that make him feel a little bit more larger than life that we don't see him? Mm. Um, If you were going into this blind without seeing the others, be interesting to see what people thought that. I like that uh, cut there, just to have the 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 end of that reaction of the feathers floating. It's a nice way to kind of tell, like to to show the violence without showing it. 
It's not possibly the last woman you'll see killed in a Bond movie. Mm. <laughs> uh, and there's yeah, the, wrong the direction trousers. here is, is, is just first class, isn't it? It's, it's really amazing. Um, I'm going to just talk very, very quickly about something that we talked about um, before we started recording. Um, well, I, you know, James and, and Phil and I did. Um, about, uh, you know, how how is it that uh, he recovers from this gunshot that he's about to take? Um, and I watched this in super slow motion and she pretty much hits him twice. Um, and most of the rounds hit the wall of the ceiling there and he gets hit once in the chest and once in the arm. Yep. Um, and you can see him as he's lying there, you can see the bullet hole on his chest. Um, right around where his heart would be, I guess. Um, and I kind of came to, well, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, even yeah, there's no blood there. It, it's probably that he's wearing kind of bo body armor underneath it and, and that he's just kind of only bleeding from that shoulder wound there, as you can kind yeah, of see just very now. Little blood. Yeah, it's a very little blood. So it kind of explains how he's able to do this. Yep, there it is. <clears throat> It's just odd that we don't have a shot of him, like, you know, traditionally you <laughs> open the, the jacket and it's like, ah, yeah. bulletproof. Yeah. Because uh, it certainly threw me for a, for a long time, Phil. It was only after you kind of explained it to me that I was like, oh, God, yeah, no, he, you know, I, I was a bit wrapped up in the whole, he's the literary Dr. No and his heart's on yeah. the other side of his chest and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But we um, all came with so much. I, I, honestly, for like a, a large chunk of the movie when I was, when I first saw it for the, the screening, I was just like, I, it, is he immortal? How is he able to do this? Mm. Is is he created yeah. some kind of super serum? I didn't know. We came <laughs> with so much baggage just from analyzing everything for two years right. that we had to get out of our own way a little bit. And I think another thing that would have helped this was just showing him one little computer-assisted de-age shot of, of Rami Malek here would have helped. But he never yeah. takes his mask off and we all go, why isn't he aged? Well, we haven't seen him. We don't see right. him in the past. We don't see anything but his mouth. Uh, and then I we saw have since seen from from behind the scenes and production photos that they did experiment with a more aged version of him in the present. I've seen a makeup yes. shot where he's all pretty gray. And then you look at like I think total film and whatnot the 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 photos there you can see that they did a real subtle aging up on him. But the fact is that there's no comparison point because he exactly show so him you here. can't you 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 think it's on a, this kind of contemporaneous kind of thing that he's he's just the same age. I love, sorry, just I talk right over that cut, but that's a beautiful cut, isn't it? From mm -hmm. sure, that match cut's great. Yeah. Well, just real quick on on what you were just talking about. Also, also there was a reference to about how he had become disfigured from the poisoning that killed right. everybody else in his family. It scarred him up. Mm. Yeah. So you know you can't really make a, an age comparison, but it's, it's it seems very clear that it he, he well he, <laughs> rather it doesn't seem very clear that he's you know aged at all um yeah. and just briefly on that as well i don't you know just before we get too heavily into this other scene it's it, it it's odd to me that you don't really get the idea that he is purposely saving her you kind of almost feel like is he trying to shoot her th to death through the, the the ice you're not that's supposed to be this moment where we understand that he has a connection to her almost where he kind of falls in love with her, I suppose. And I didn't really understand that, certainly not on the first viewing. No, it's very thinly drawn. 
there's just that, like there's like five or six frames of her torso on the back getting out of the water. And that's Ooh. all you get. And I think there was some discussion online when the film came out, like I saw a cut where she got out of the water. I saw a cut where she was under the water. It's like, no, your, your brain photoshopped what you wanted to see. <laughs> right. Oh. And put some braces on her. That's right. <laughs> oh, no. The Amazon they've, cuts they've you shot this place so nicely, haven't they? And I love these mm. um, kind of little reminders of the geography of the, like, or rather they're kind of, they're, they're giving you the geography of the town setting you up for the chase you know i love that push-in shot where you see the bridge in the background it's almost like before all of this action happens you have a real sense of geography of of the town that you're in so you never feel like you're you're thrown around too much with it well one of my very favorite things about this movie and it's probably most prevalent here in matera is the color of it all and this is mm. the fir- this feels like the first time in the Craig era that we've finally got really rich, really colourful palettes because we mm. we've got a lot in the earlier films. There's a lot of beige; they're they're quite washed out to kind of give that gritty hardcore feel. Whereas it finally feels like we're getting something really colourful and focused, and it, it's really quite refreshing. I think. Yeah, it's mm. rich, isn't it? It's like mm. a lovely dessert of you know it's. You know, you've got some emeralds in there and you've got some, you know, you've got a lot of these kind of jeweled colors coming through as well. Yeah. Well, and, and just to reinforce what Ben said, uh, the movie director, Howard Hawks, and I've cited this before, said movies establish their own geography. And so those the introductory shots of uh, Bond and Madeline going into town establish geography. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's right, Bill. And I, I, and to have to have a sense of place, but also to have it so beautifully um, photographed is you know is is really it's really a treat for us Bond fans. I think. Yeah, you know, to Sean's point, what I think is kind of fun about a fifteen-year stretch is that you get to see uh, trends in cinematography happening with just within his run. You you know the uh, the Casino Royale color palette is one thing, and the Quantum is very much of that. Uh, cliche that you can look up of orange and teal that became this plague in in cinematography in the 2008 and 2009 era where they just cranked up the saturation on people's skin tones and they're all very orange uh, and then Deacon's coming through in Skyfall with with that color palette I think Spectre's the only misstep in terms of the uh, the color palettes in these films they all have a distinct look uh, that are pleasing in their way or but more interestingly of of their time and I think it's cool to see it across a spectrum of a you know chronology I've just seen some Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> There's a pile of them on the uh, as she exits on the left. No, you were so looking my, at that uh, as she exits. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> my wife's listening. Listen. All right. The, re- the reason I bring it up is because when I first saw that the the Cuba scene as we're getting later, it reminded me of that commercial from the eighties. Hmm. We'll get there. <laughs> I want to see the vision where there is a Ferrero Rocher tray going around to that party and someone bites into Blofeld's eye. Like, oh, God. As beautiful as all this is, I, I, I continue to hate this outfit, I have to say. Yeah, I, I, I think this costume is um It looks bad. like he's going to go teach a math class as a substitute. Yeah. <laughs> it's also very thick. All the fabric's very thick. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't wear that heavy kind of linen shirt under a heavy jacket with a bit in, yeah, he's got button down collars. I hate it. It doesn't it's work bad. for me at all. It's supposed to be this casual outfit, and it's got the suspect, the braces, and you know, it's and the tie. If he lost the tie and he lost the braces, I think it'd be a fantastic outfit. But sure. it's just, I, I, 
I do wonder if some of it was led by the stunt that they needed to do because they obviously needed harnesses and wires. Right. And maybe part of the costume uh, design was done to hide yeah. um, that yeah, stuff. That's, that's quite possible, I suppose, that. yeah. Um, I think, you know, this is one of Craig's better dressed uh, films as well. I think, you know, not this is actually a beautiful um, suit, but it's just uh, I think he's not – as I said, I don't think it's, it's worn quite right, um, but I think he's he, I think he's dressed very beautifully in this this film. Um, this is McLovin. Yeah, McLovin. McLovin, oh. the grave tour guide. Um, <laughs> she's twenty three. How do people feel about this? This uh, you, know, you, you know what's funny is before those dates came out, somebody tweeted like. Um, are you still upset about that 23 year old met for two weeks? <laughs> and it's like, bang, they actually nail it as 23. Yeah. And it's, I mean, she's actually 26 in, in the film. It's a bit, it just, and the age difference is, you know, not, not it's 15 years. It's not a huge age difference in terms of big age differences, if that makes sense. But it just, it does strike when you see, a 50-year-old man, you know, reminiscing about a 23-year-old a, a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. This scene is really lovely, though, and the use of um, Vespa's theme just, like, sort of hinting through there is just – it's mm. re- it's yeah. suddenly kind of – it gives us a bit of a nostalgia feel. be mm. nice if there was, like, a bit of her in this shot, you know. Oh. So bring that nostalgia <laughs> I had, like, a, a shoe. A shoe. And, <laughs> the love and knot. A, a Nigerian love knot. Yeah, <laughs> or, not in Russia, or a limb that had blown off from yeah. the uh, casket. Yeah. Um, oh, is, um, oh are we, does Bond have a flip phone here? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say something about this, Bill. This is really interesting. Like Madeline has has a like an old Nokia, like one of those like really old Nokia for like a fifty one ten or something, and Bond's got, you know, he's, he's trying phone. to he's trying to make a call on his wallet. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> they're the, the, the burner phones, right? Like they, they don't want to be yeah. tracked or whatever. So it's like no, no yeah. GPS, none of that. I mean, I, I mean, now I feel like I mean, a fucking idiot. You're, you're, you're probably right, but it does look enough like a flip phone that it, you can like you can understand why someone would ask. Meanwhile, is this like the another kid? I mean, obviously, like we'll get into it later. With, Madeline's daughter, but like, okay, we have another kid here. Like, this has more kids than other any other bottle. He's a man with a golden gun. He's yeah. he's the spiritual, um, you know, child of of the man from the golden gun kid who got pushed in the water. That's right. He's That's back for revenge. revenge. <laughs> Meanwhile, nobody can shoot. Yeah, yeah. and here we have uh, we meet Cyclops for the first time. It's nicely kind of done in the sense that, you know, it's nice to have this balance between the ludicrous and the realistic. And I think that's what, what Bond has always kind of been, even since the books. It's, you know, there's, it, it's the, the absurd written serious. Yep. And, you know, this is absolutely absurdist, but we are, we are taking it as a, as a serious action scene, as a realistic piece of, uh, of, you know, uh, cinema, so to speak. This is supposed to be really contemporaneous and happening now. And yet, you know, we've got robot eyes and um, that kind of thing. So I think it is quite a, quite a n- nice n- um, 
nice nod to kind of the rest of the Bond franchise, I suppose, to have right. that, that back. Mm-hmm. The fantastical. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love a bit of first. I, so the first time I saw this as well, I, I thought, because this obviously ties back to his actual demise at the end, um, I genuinely thought that Bond killed him at this point. I was like, oh, he's out of the film already. Um, well, he was going to be. Yeah. He was going to be. So and then gets, the, gets they liked the actor so much that they kept him. Well, hang on. <laughs> if that's true, then he, I mean, he shows up in two minutes shooting up the car. He's not even out of this sequence. <laughs> yeah, bring him back. <laughs> bring him back for the car. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just, it, it, it's just such a, like a vicious, like to pop an eye out, you know, to, <laughs> it's called an inoculation, by the way. Um <laughs> Is um, you know you need some force to do that, and I think that probably would have <laughs> given him given him something of a headache. Mm. Don't think he'd be back up and driving around too quickly. Oh, he's a tough guy. I love the way that this guy just pops out and goes like, "Oh, your bags are uh, just downstairs already." Uh, <laughs> like like he doesn't care that he's just <laughs> thrown a motorcycle at the front of his hotel. <laughs> Can you imagine if you did that in real life? The guy would be out there going, yeah. like, what the, what the hell is this? <laughs> You're going to pay for that damage. <laughs> I think the scenes between these two are really good. I meant to say it earlier when we saw them just, you know, having that, uh, you know, they're, they're very good actors. And with the sound down as well, this, this looks extremely powerful. <laughs> um, Oh, by the way, just a quick perspective about this pre-title scene. I believe it's like 24 minutes. So like today, a half-hour U.S. TV show is 22 minutes minus commercials, so it's longer than Mm -hmm. a half-hour TV show. Mm. Um, It does feel like an episode of Friends if you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) The one with the DB5. Yes. (laughs) I don't think you feel it, though, like... (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, it moves very quickly. I, I'm, I'm not saying anything about that, but that's just, um, I just bring it up for like historical perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that can be said for the whole film, actually. I think it's, you know, it's obviously the longest Bond film, but I, I think it zips by, like even watching it now, we mm-hmm. are nearly 20 minutes in and it's, feels like yeah, no it doesn't feel it. Feels like yeah. no time at all. No time no, the fir- at all is the, the, the name of the film. It should have been. <laughs> the, the first time I saw it in the theater, I, some friends joined me and like one of them said like they did not believe it had been two hours and 43 mm. minutes you know that that was you know when it concluded she was very enthusiastic yeah the structure and the pacing lend itself to that it's very sort of episodic in a way that mm. you'd think more bond films are but but some something about the way this is sort of segmented makes it kind of like fly by a little bit more mm. I, I think also this is a film that's going to obviously bear multiple watching and uh, repeat viewings. And I think a lot of the the nuance in their performance and how they are together here um, expands on, on the more that you watch it, the more that you know about their, yeah. their, their past and their future and their relationship together. Um, it makes a lot more sense when you're watching it and when you know Madeline's secret, yeah. um, it, it, adds, it adds more to it. Um, I did wonder and, why all the sheep were in, why all the sheep were in a room watching a TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, friends, 
That's yeah. and, and and also was the shepherd another kid? Is this kid number yeah. two? Yeah. <laughs> the whole town is just full of specter agents. Yeah. Or at least all the kids are paid off. Oh, and I just love this scene coming up with those just shooting the crap out of the DB five. It's just excellent. But that's well, I just want to say, particularly that shot with the camera pulling back with the <sighs> bells ringing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, nice. They built, they built that yeah, bell tower stopped. just for that shot. Oh, really? Oh, that, yeah, yeah well, that... Uh, well, of that, course, that, of course, given the budget. Yeah. Well, of course they did. <laughs> Whereas in the good old days, that would be a foreground miniature, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a very Western kind of um, thing, isn't it? You know, like, kind of like, uh, yeah, by, by which I mean, like, kind of genre Western. No, to pull yeah. back through the bell tower like that. Well, it's playing on the for whom the bell tolls kind of motif, mm. isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. I can remember the first time I saw this um, in, the, in the cinema, in, well, in the thing, and I, I felt a real knot in my stomach. Even, mm. though, even though I knew Madeline was going to be in the rest of the film, I, I don't know, there's a sort of sense of peril that, like maybe mm. it's in their performances that they communicate. It's just really wonderful. Mm. So why is yeah, even though you know that the sequence is going to go on because mm-hmm. you've seen you know loads of clips and stuff, you still you you're right. You, you do kind of you, you get that feeling. You, you you want to grab him and be like, for God's sake, yeah. turn the guns on. Yeah. Mm. Why were they trying to kill her though? And not him. And, and and what was the deal? They like sprayed this with Coca Cola to execute this spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just noticed yeah, it says Aston Martin on the pedals. Yeah, they All locked right. off the um, the, you know, the McClory the McClory version. That is Pepsi. Royal <laughs> 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 Crown. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's even better. Royal Crown. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. The first um, poster releases of Never Say Never Again in Thailand um, were sponsored by Pepsi and had the Pepsi logo on them. James knows his deep cuts. He he was yeah. he didn't pick Pepsi out of a hat. <laughs> so here's a Dolly's braces thing for you. Uh, when they showed that clip on television, I feel like uh, Primo, the eyeball guy, his face was not as bloody as it just was. Yeah. Right. Well, they did true? show a slightly different clip of the 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 miniguns coming out of the headlights, didn't they? In the trailers, it's yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I feel like there might be some alternate shots. I mean, there's definitely some alternate shots in the trailer. I think yeah. we'll get to yeah some I Rami mean, Malek yeah, ones they, later on. They CGI yeah. a, whole, a whole child out of, of some of these clips, so I guess. Well, well <laughs> also, it's, it's also possible they added blood in post production to uh, Primo's right. uh, face. Well, yeah, or they took it out for the sensors for television. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because uh, going back to Skyfall, when uh, Bond jumped off into the train car, like in the uh, commercial, like he didn't have a big blood, spa- blood stain mm. on his shirt, but he did in the movie. And there she yeah. So it, it, yeah, so it's been done. Mm. So, so this, this, this I nearly welled up when I first saw this. This was really a hard sell me. for me because, like, maybe wouldn't he at least have a conversation with her first to try to get to the bottom of what just happened? Instead, yeah. it's like, on the train, uh, fucks um, off to Jamaica for five years. Uh, Bond is not the most strategic thinker. Well, I think <laughs> I said it before. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why they bring back the whole Vespa thing to kind of bring back that betrayal and right. all of uh, that. It, it's trying to invoke some of the brain. that. Yeah. I, uh, I agree, Calvin. I think you've got... a. Uh, you, you know, you've literally got to the point where he's managed to 
cathartically let go of Vesper. So his perceived betrayal by Madeline there strikes doubly hard. He's basically saying, I just got over this. I literally yeah. just got over this and now this is happening. And it it's an emotional response rather than a rational one. Mm. And I think it speaks to how, how much he has uh, gone through on this emotional journey from Vesper's death to now. And I think it makes sense um, in, in the sense that it doesn't make sense if, that, if you, if you get me. Mm. Um, I love these, uh, these titles, by the way. Do you? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I felt a bit underwhelmed by them. It's not, I well, felt overwhelmed by them because it's a real junk drawer collection of imagery. I mean, it's like a real, here's everything we could think of. Like, we've I, had well, the- yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying, Phil. Um, I think there's certainly the time, the time stuff I really liked. I like that bit where the two hands just pass and they, uh-huh. and they just sort of miss each other. There's some nice imagery and I like the, the car going down in the water. But, yeah, but it does feel like the very first 10 minutes of a whiteboard session on what should we do for the titles. But then we no go, said, no. then it sort of transitions into sort of other ones. Is that like, are we seeing, um, you know, are we seeing MK12's titles mm-hmm. from Quantum of Solace? Or yeah, are we seeing a little bit? Yeah, you feel that there's a fucking spearfishing silhouette. Well, the, deep diving the trident. Happening. The trident was the uh, preview of the climax because remember when Q is uh, yeah, tracking Bond and yeah. Nomi, and Bond is the trident and Nomi is the other uh, symbol. So, yeah. Yeah, this was, you know, the very beginning of this was a preview of the climax. This These is DNA cool. strands here, I, you know, with the guns. Um, uh, this is this is for me is like classic Bond sort of imagery sure. where they do stuff like that i i i know what you're saying phil by it's like just chucking everything right, but it's gone already and now we're now we're in this thing that feels similar to specter where you saw kind the of, faces yeah. happening you know right. and can i point out that the first the first one that we just saw of craig is actually the special shoot they did for omega <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah it's not actually from the movies oh wow there you go. and there's no mr white in there either mm. to follow up that point so of all the faces of his past return, like, yeah, not the father-in-law. All the ones mm. we have paid for. <laughs> I love this with the veins. It's, it's really it's wonderful. There's a, there's a flower growing within her, like the baby. If only it had some uh-huh. connection to the rest of the film. <laughs> well, the Garden of Death. Oh, Steve Mazzaro gets into the main titles. There he is. <laughs> you get that, you know, you get that moment where that sepulchral statue is lying down and it's getting kind of overwhelmed by the growth of the, you know, the ivy and the, and the roses. And I just sort of feel like, one, that's very Bondian, but two, it's kind of like, wasn't that supposed to be the idea that, you know, this, this plant was supposed to be taking you over genetically? Yeah. And, this, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's, where are we seeing in here the nanobot? idea well you're not because they were kind of made up late yeah so mm. they're you know it's almost like they're selling you a different story really yeah is, is that the, the sorry is that the first time we've had a um however many years later in a bond film pop up on no, screen goldeneye. goldeneye oh of course yeah. yeah right nine years later with goldeneye yeah, yeah. this goldeneye, was the first time in... timothy dalton zero right they yeah, should correct. basically do it for every single cut. Two and a half but, minutes later, <laughs> but I, I, I did. I did like that kaleidoscope effect when when you went from oh, uh, mm. Fujinaga's credit card to the yeah. beginning of the. 
this this Rest whole sequence is kind of filled with those camera movement shots where the camera spins mm. or rotates or something like that or the kaleidoscope thing it's it's again yeah, it just feels so much more creative than what we've seen previously the color palette mm. here is great and even though they were on their break from avis um <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, Hugh, Hugh Dennis got a cheer in the premiere. Yes. <laughs> well, what? the lady next to him as well, she's, I can't remember her name now, but I see her in like, she's been in Alan Partridge and she also right. does like sitcom kind of stuff. Um, it's just a really interesting casting choice, both of these two. <laughs> I love it. I, I think, I think, it's I think they both came from Phoebe Waller-Bridge because she worked with um, them on uh, Fleabag. Hmm. I do, I do like this kind of notion that it, it makes it very kind of, um, personable, doesn't it, to have somebody who is a low-key British um, tre- no, national treasure in a way. Because mm. mm. he I hasn't quite hit that kind of, like, you know, Judy Dench national treasure kind of level, but everybody will, everybody in England will know who he is. <laughs> oh, totally, oh, it, yeah. It, yeah, Mock it, the really, Week's it, on, like, every day. <laughs> it days. really kind of stings when he gets killed, and you're like, oh, I'll kill Hugh Dennis. <laughs> Yeah. What do we think of Dr. Borat? Because I, I didn't think he would be in the movie as much as he is. No, yeah. I thought he was a MacGuffin. I didn't think he'd be half the character that he is. Yeah, um, I think well, he's hilarious. Char- char- character's a stretch, I think. But. Well, I, he's, he's well, okay, yeah, fair. Can you describe anything about him, you know, personality-wise, yeah. other than, like, you know, he's developed this thing. I mean, is there, you know, he hasn't got any real kind of motivations or loyalties or... He's racist. Oh, yeah, so he's, he's racist and he likes animals. A... But then, so <laughs> yes. it's half the US audience. He's... Oh, oh <laughs> You can scrub that line, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> this no. is the first time since Casino you know Royale what? that you, like, you... The half that are listening, I think it's the other half that you're talking about. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Picked a hell of a time to come back to Twitter. Government pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> I got some more. Um, All right. I uh, make them have a explosion for <laughs> liquid for. Make more animals. God, it really is the same voice, isn't it? That's that's something. Uh, no, I like him. I know he's he's very broad. Um, he's funny for the most part. I was just excited that oh god, we have a character this broad in a Bond film again, and I I, I quite you know like that. I like that we're back here with a Boris kind of character. Oh, I mean, I, yeah. It... Uh, and these and these Doctor No suits. Hmm. I w- you know I would have liked it if Hugh Dennis had shot that Doctor now and just swap and it had just been swapped over to Hugh Dennis for the rest of the film. <laughs> for the rest of the film and just um, you know that's what he should have done. He should have gone. We don't. I, we could be both. We both do this, so you don't need him. Hmm. Far more entertaining. <laughs> He'd probably be more reliable as well. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I, you know, that's no. That's not to say that um, Doctor Boris here is not. 
absolutely adequate in in you know in the job that he's doing. I just think I I would have preferred to have seen, um, yeah, more of more of our national treasure. <laughs> this is a clever idea. Um, I I, I love I still love this shot. Again, it comes back to that camera movement stuff with the lovely mm. tracking following it down. We've not seen mm. much like that for a long time. Mm. Yeah, the magnets would... lines a bit on mm. the nose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Magnets. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> magnets. Why did it have to be magnets? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that was the explosion from this scene that caused all the problems at Pinewood. Oh, I thought oh. it was the other one. I thought it was when they he, when he blew up the lair uh, in the finale. No, it was that. It was that lab. That was the because mm. they had, they had all the scientists in this... uh, white white coats. Yeah, was... Hmm. This line's still bothering me a bit when M says, "I've seen it." Has, he's he's already seen what's in Money Penny's hand, or what's I in the newspaper. There's, the there's been some kind of incident. He's got like a phone in his hand and a newspaper in the other. So it's very quick, though, because I mm. I was sort of like, yeah, I, I just see the newspaper first. So I was like, what has he seen it in the paper? Like Money Penny's really <laughs> late getting this information to him if it's already in the paper. But no, he does have a phone in his hand. It's a different Bond movie. <laughs> It's exactly the kind of boat that you take fishing, isn't it? Well, you've got to wonder what his retirement <laughs> payoff was, because that's not a cheap boat. It is I not. Think that, I think they've only made 25 of them or something. Ever. Uh, oh, wow. Huh. So, Phil, we're going to lean on you for some geography here, seeing that you were in the neighborhood. No help. That's outside of Port Antonio. I think it's called Cold Harbor Bay, and that's all gone now. They let them build it. It's private property, and he let them. They let them build it on the condition that they took it all away. Uh, oh. So if you go and look at it now, you won't see a damn thing except that stone sort of fixture against the water. Oh. It is nice, though, isn't it? It's beautiful. As I say, so they, they did a whole setup and take with him walking past with the spear gun and thought, you know what, let's do it with the pistol instead. Well, um, I want to know more about the whole spear gun thing because the credits have him a silhouette of him deep diving with a spear gun. And I heard he was outfitted for a wetsuit that didn't get used at the last minute. Right. And that they sort of went to this Orla Bar Brown Goodwill store outfit instead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at the last minute, <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't product preview for, or product uh, placement for toothpaste there. Yeah. I, I've got to say, I've I've had a bamboo toothbrush before, and they're awful. It's <laughs> like when you're chewing on like you know disposable wooden cutlery, and you accidentally bite it, and it like makes squeaks I, your teeth. It's horrible. Hmm. Oh. I I have I have one, um, and mine mine is although mine is a rainbow bristled one for um, you know some reasons um but yeah i've got the i've got the kind of uh the bamboo one uh yeah. there's a cricket game going on which actually is cool, I, had had it, I had to cut it down because it, it kept poking me in the um gums <laughs> <laughs> anyway nobody cares about that i love this land rover um <laughs> that's a nice nod to kind of 
um, you know, the military past as well. There's also something about this movie with various shots. I, I call it layered, starting with that uh, drawer. He, uh, we saw all these clips and stuff. And then like yeah. we see, you know, we see it again later. It's like, it's an interesting um, visual uh, device. It does and go from it comes the up a number of, the of times. It, it went from the middle of the afternoon to dusk in the time it took him to park the cars. <laughs> well, parking's a challenge in Port Antonio. <laughs> it's uh, daylight savings time to daylight <laughs> to a standard time. <laughs> so if you missed it, the bar's called 25. I like Get that. It? Get mm. it? He goes a bit American when he says package there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's becoming acclimatized. <laughs> I think Knives Out did something to his cadence and the, his delivery because he, his a lot, lots of times when he gets uh, a little bit of a ramp up in terms of a monologue in here, suddenly he sounds very different than he, he did even one film ago. Mm. The, the mm. scene with Blofeld quite a bit, that whole speech is very different. And when he says, I've got your number, Felix, and when he's talking to Nomi, uh, there's just different rhythms happening. And I, and I don't know if it's just a choice that he, he's made as like living on the island for five years or something but it's different i, I noticed that too phil he, it's almost um a slower rhythm mm -hmm. a more relaxed rhythm and i i think it's an intentional thing to kind of bring out this idea that he is retired now um, yeah. his whole performance throughout the film and 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 the way he is written is kind of much more, um, not just mature. Um, there is a slightly jaded quality to him as well, but he's just, he's less impulsive. You know, yeah. you can't imagine this bond maybe running down, um, Malacca, for example. Right. He'd probably go, oh, all right, well, I'll just wait for him to come out the other side of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like he'd probably just walk around the construction site and then get him on the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when Purvis and Wade recycle the this line from the end of Casino Royale, do they not remember that they did it in the end of the the movie? Or wait, was it where did they use it? They used it in Quantum of Solace, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. When you can't tell the good guys in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, that, that's, it that's it the third time. Here, that's M saying it. But like uh, Mathis says it. He's like. Mathis says it. I think it's that um, Felix and Mathis hung out like, <laughs> for a long time because I think he was actually the one who sweated Mathis down. Yeah. And so basically they became good friends, you know. They're stealing his lines. Yeah. <laughs> Primo is in town just to get a toothbrush. <laughs> well, so if, if M thinks Bond's dead or missing or whatever, and they don't know where he is, how does he know to send Nomi there? I, 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 I was under the impression that Nomi gets there by herself. She, she, yeah, she's she's not tracking Bond. She's tracking. Yeah. Oh no, she is tracking Bond, isn't she? Because she tells him to fuck off. I don't know. Um, I, I guess. Um, that's one of those contradictions. We'll never know. But I, I assume I assume that she was tracking Felix and um, what's his face, Logan, Logan Nash. Nash. Yeah, Logan Nash. Oh, come on. Um, do well, we know where they're both? They're both sitting outside of Felix uh, Bond's house, essentially waiting for him. Like you see, 
when Bond leaves in the Land Rover, you see Naomi yeah. on the side of the road. Yeah, but two seconds scary. later, you see uh, Felix and, and Logan Ash there. So she, I think they might have led her to Bond's house. I agree. Yeah, that mm. makes sense. Um, do we know where Grace Jones would have appeared? Stuff. Yes. Well, wow. I, complete conjecture, wow. but I was I was reached out to, and someone told me she was the, going to be the nightclub owner. Right. Mm. Right. And the bar was going to be called Maydays. Mm. Right. <laughs> but how would have that factored in, like story wise, or would it just have been a cameo? We'd have seen her and Again, Bond said hi or something. What, what was told to me was that Bond was friendly with her, and he he used her to keep Logan Ash distracted while while he talked to Felix about that thing so instead of just leaving uh logan ash at the table uh, mm. there was a scene a comical scene involving like grace jones dancing with that dude okay hmm. is it true i don't know but that's what someone told Ooh. i kind of want it to be true sure yeah <laughs> print the legend <laughs> if we say it enough times yeah so they, they used a different take in the trailer mm. for this right yeah, it's a wider shot as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess my only, my only kind of issue with her character is that, that she's so singularly motivated, apparently, by, uh, you know, the, the, the shoes that she stepped into and kind of one-upping one them. And, do you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like that wouldn't... A, a woman of her abilities uh, wouldn't need to be necessarily having to prove to her predecessor well, that it, she's worthy of, of the number. They they lean into the imposter syndrome a little bit too much, don't they? Yeah, it's just it. If if it was just once, it might you might go okay. There's a there's a you know a kind of small crack in the armor, so to speak. But yeah, and the, the fact you know, that it honestly- becomes. <laughs> the the movies the movie doesn't have the stones to really follow through with it, but the idea of of a black woman with imposter syndrome who's who's taking over a gig from from the, a, a white man with a great reputation that stuff might be just embedded in her entire uh, psyche, right. somewhat, somewhat, right? Yeah. And and you know Lisa would probably be better to weigh in on this, but I I think that it's a half measure here. It's just yeah. sort of. And and then and as a result, well, it doesn't land the way it needs to. I feel by not following it through, do they yeah. not therefore like by half-assing it, it doesn't become anything. It just become it actually is more detrimental. Yeah. I mean, than you jump ahead and she's giving him back his 007 number, which I think is just sort of really loaded and kind of messy. Um, mm. But uh, the the other the other thing of it is, I don't know. I'm going to come back to this thought, but I don't want to say something. That, I'll regret. Um, <laughs> well, can I add a thought? I mean, you see this sort of thing in uh, professional sports where somebody follows a legend and like, do they live up to the legend? Now that's a, that's a different thing than this movie. I'm, I'm I don't want to, you know, blur the two too much, but it's, I, I can sort of see it. I mean, it's, you know, like the successor might overcompensate mm-hmm. maybe. 
No, I, th- I think it's a really good dynamic. Um, and I, I do quite like, like, later on, we get the sense that she's very by the book, as always, I think she says to M. And it must just be really frustrating <laughs> that she can do everything by the book. And yet there's this guy who was always breaking the rules and, you know, going off the record and all that kind of stuff. And he's still got this reverence about him. Yeah. Um, right. and, and, and when the first trailers came out, like there were some Bond fans, like how could they give 007 number to somebody else? Well, it's it's not like a sports team. It's not not sure. like you you retire numbers for you know certain star players. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the mentality. But I like she has that line about like, oh, you th- yeah, I bet you thought they'd retire it. So mm. I like yes. the implication that they might have done if, you know, and it's like it's a slight against him because it's like, oh, was I not, you know, mm-hmm. iconic enough with this for you to just give it up? And, uh, but but then, I, I like but, that moment. But then later he says, it's just a number. Mm. Yeah, which, which, yeah, but like with sports players, it's not just a number. It's never just a number. Mm. And I mean, again, Sure. These are two different things, but like I, I couldn't help but think about that as I watched the movie. There is a slight error there because the boat's going in a different direction to the plane in the first shot, and then in the second shot, the, the plane flies over him in the same direction. Mm. I was just thinking about the uh, filming directions on, on like when Bond takes the phone call and M is taking the phone call on the other side, and they had to basically have Bond facing out. To, to the ocean yep. and him standing on the other side of the car in order for it the the, the cutaways to look like they're facing each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um so it's it's weird to think that you have to think about all of those things when you when you're making a movie. Also I think this is a fantastic set because this yeah. is at Pinewood. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean it, it's like really, really good. And agreed. I think you know, Bill, this this is. I didn't realize it was a set. I knew some of it was a set, but I didn't realize just to to what extent it was a set, and to realize that it is all just a set. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and I also I also guess that this um, extends the Purvis and Wade fascination with Cuba because, of course, with mm-hmm. their first script for <laughs> the world is not enough was set in Cuba at the beginning. Hmm. And then, uh, and, you know, and then we got and die another day and now, now we have it again. And it's like, I'm guessing this is probably Purvis and Wade's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it makes me well, also think about those kind of like what, what Saturn's Island is supposed to be at the end and how, uh, you know, it's a world war two sub base, but actually I think that was really inspired by more kind of, uh, abandoned Soviet era kind of sub bases and pens, and it's interesting that Cuba probably has a few. You mm. know, <laughs> well, I think this goes back to like the problems they were having um, coming out of the eighties. Was um, I think Cubby Broccoli actually talked about this? Was um, they used to go to locations because people hadn't seen them and they always looked exotic. But as time went on, that was harder and harder and harder with international travel and whatnot Mm. to find places that people hadn't, wouldn't go to. Right. So you're left then with like political countries that you can't go to. And so in recent years, we've had North Korea and Cuba like three times. I'm not surprised um, Mm -hmm. that that's what they lean into. And Italy, which, you know, (laughs) nobody goes to. Yeah. Wonder um, where the tax. Wonder where the tax breaks will be for the next bond. I was about to say also um, uh, Azerbaijan and the world is not enough. That's yeah. that was like the transition from like glamorous to places it's really yeah. hard to get to. 
Yeah. I, I, I can't remember, but I mean, probably only like a couple of days actual kind of plate shooting out in Azerbaijan itself. Yeah, with, but, with four disposable crew members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, so I'm, I'm I have to con- confess because I've only seen the movie twice, right? So I'm just, I'm just going to say now, I don't understand. Primo is obviously Blofeld's not just right hand, but his right eye, so to speak, right? <laughs> and so, but he then shifts over to, um, you know, Safin's team, so to speak. Yep. Um, so this whole thing, at this moment in time, he's still working for Blofeld. Yep. Right? And doesn't want this guy to, you know, like, so that's, it It would just have been so much better to kind of make it that he'd always been on Safin's side somehow, or do you know what I'm saying? That he, that, that he could almost have helped instigate this whole thing rather than being, having this clunky transition. Why he doesn't, why is he not? Well, that's, that's explained by the fact that it was originally two characters, but they kept this guy on. Well, sure, but it's um, you could probably write it a little bit more. Int- I mean, like I don't understand at the end of this scene, for example, why Primo doesn't die, being right. so high up in Spectre's organization it would would make sense. Well, he's a high up gun, I guess. Yeah, and, and they didn't have his DNA sample. Yeah, if they, because if they, they were like taking everybody. out the high high ranking Spectre people, they wouldn't right. have had so, a fight with anyone if they'd gotten all of Spectre, right? Right. And uh, mean, meanwhile, this reminds me of something I didn't think about till I uh, left the theater. It's Selva. Was it's Selva. <laughs> was what I thought about leaving the theater was well, like you know, with Spectre, well, we have people everywhere. Well, no, you have enough to fill a. Good sized ballroom. I wonder if everybody inspected. Everybody inspected. Everybody inspected. Put their out of office on. Like, I'm in Cuba for a week. Right. Well, yeah. well, meanwhile, all all those poor Spectre employees, you know, the the working class guys. Oh, sorry, uh, all your bosses have died, so you get no more pay now. <laughs> Some yeah. email. They're freelancers. Yeah. 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 Excellent. This scene is so good. I, oh, like this whole Cuba chunk of the film is just like top tier. I think it might even be my favorite chunk of all of Craig's Bond. I just love this it, whole bit. It's so fun and silly. And yeah, I know, like all of Spectre coming together for Blofeld's birthday I, is I really know. silly, but it's it's, it's very it. sta- it's very stylish. Like I said, I didn't think about it till I saw the movie <laughs> and <laughs> was headed home the first time. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, you know, which is great because Peter Hunt did that all the time when he edited the early Bond films. Like, yeah, if you mm. don't think about it until you're headed home, we we worked <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, I like that. Mind you, when we see Spectre meet in Italy, right in Spectre. How many cars are there there? there are they right. only, is it only them filling up that room, you know, the gallery and the, and the board, board table? Surely that's maybe the same amount of people. So maybe this is all of them. Hmm. I heard that Dan Roma, the fired um, composer, helped put together this music originally. Right. Oh. Is that true? Does anybody know? I just saw that on well, Twitter as a response to you somewhere. It's an existing song. Uh, yeah. In terms of the composition or something. So this was done early on, apparently. Well, I found a version very similar to this. I know it's um, it's not 
this this recording is specifically for the film, uh, but I found one from a few years ago that's very similar that I just assumed they just did a cover of. Uh, yeah. Everybody dance now. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> no no bots. <laughs> They're good. Good. Great success. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, James. All the dancing women there, you know, like, oh, are we going to get it next? No, you're not good. Don't worry about ladies. It's killing everybody in Spectre. I mean, it's like <laughs> they, had, they had to really nail it for the audience that weren't watching. That, along with the magnets line, is, yeah, it's very. Uh... Mm. Yeah, it's playing to the very back of the room. Um, mm. Yeah. Oh, I love him throwing that play. Yeah, so <laughs> good, great. isn't it? <laughs> swallows. Yeah, yeah, swallows the martini. Yeah. Oh, this is all. It's all just. It's so good, and it's all. Yeah. It's all lit wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. How do we all feel about Paloma? Have you heard anyone? Well, I mean, she carries a scene great. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, yeah, she's definitely a highlight of the film. Uh, trying to build a new film around her, well, that might be a little harder, but you know, but in this in this context, she's fine. She's great. I, I, it's interesting to me that the 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 larger majority of people that I've in you know seen talking about her seem to think that she's pretty amazing. Uh, I know certainly Lisa thinks she's um, you know wailing level kind of awesome um i i didn't what i didn't like was this whole kind of i'm just a you know new agent born sexy yesterday kind of thing um i didn't think that that was a necessary thing to do um i I don't think it necessarily empowered her that much or but, but don't they touch on that at the end of the end of the scene when her accent changes as though it was kind of a cover mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but then uh, then why <laughs> then why the one person I that you're actually yeah like that's the person that she's supposed to be teaming up with and helping why would she no one else knows you know anyway this is probably a reach but is it a low-key sort of thing along the lines of what we were just talking about with nomi where you know this is a woman operating in a man's uh field largely and is is that some sort of protection to sort of like it uh, to, to let people underestimate her to give her a bit of an advantage in terms of you know Abs- uh, absolutely it could be phil and certainly you know it's it, it, one line would have fixed it you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I think maybe she's just bubbly and she did really well at the training. <laughs> I, you know, I, she's, a, she's precocious. Well, yeah. well also, I, I, I've seen some YouTube guys, not Bond YouTubers, but general YouTubers say, oh, how could she like do two machine pistols at the same time? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's one, it's a fantasy. And two, right. mm. it's like, she's like really well trained. And so she can like kick and do all this stuff, even though the guy she's kicking like outweigh her by 50 pounds. And like three, nobody worried about that 60 years ago with <laughs> Diana Rigg as, as Emma Peel. So like, why is this an issue now? Well, I think, I think it's clearly, it's clear that she's obviously better trained than she tells Bond that she is. I mean, I don't right. think that that's a question. My, my real question is why would you go on a mission with somebody and then put them on the back foot, you know. Mm-hmm. That's you know by by lying about your abilities. 
Mm, I don't think she is lying about her abilities, is she? She's just... Well, it's implied she did, you know, because Bond asked her three weeks training, and she says something, but yeah. If I had to go into a room for the Spectre agents, who would I pick? The person who's standing next to me said, "I've, I've only had three weeks training, or, you know, like the person who's really good at their stuff. And but, she could have just said, "Like I'm really good at this." Well, you know, don't worry. Well, 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 just real quick. Okay, like some of these YouTubers say, how can this like slight woman like fire two machine pistols at the same time? Blah blah. blah. Well, okay, it was just as ridiculous in 1965 when Clint Eastwood was firing two machine guns at the same time in where Eagles Dare. That's it's true. like it's impossible to. It's next to impossible let's yeah. say to well, fire two machine guns because like the when i saw it, when eagles dare was on tv my father who had been in the army like when you're in the army you get a rifle you know what it is to shoot a rifle and he's just laughing his head off like how that ridiculous it was for clint eastwood so it's like <laughs> forget it guys mm. i do like the the way that they do make a distinction between kind of bond and nomi though and their abilities they're both clearly deserving of the the double o status and this yes and that little thing that she does so her way of of getting that's like a, that situation that's like a little ea games bond moment that they yeah. give her mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little 007 logo will pop up at the top that's right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> according to the uh, apple documentary right here is the last shot of craig as 007 right yes one. yeah they go a little bit further in that documentary, don't they? You see more of the take where I think yeah, Obrachev like screen. goes the other way and yeah. he grabs him or something. And this is where yeah. he, this is where he fucked up his ankle, apparently. Mm. Yeah. Running in those Crockett and Jones dress shoes on wet pavement. I've also seen some behind the scenes <laughs> stuff of like the is it the Coast Guard like chasing after Bond the plane in this yep. bit of like firing, yeah. yeah so there's a bunch some of stuff. stuff. Yeah. More of the escape, I guess. And pleased to say Lisa's joined us after she's missed the best part of the movie. <laughs> I know. I came after my favorite part, but I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. You, Very you happy missed- to have have you with us, Lisa. Uh, Thank you. It's good to have a um, have your voice added to these to the mix. To the mix. Yeah. Hello, Lisa. Haven't talked to you in a long time. Hi, Bill. Hey, <laughs> hey Lisa. God, you think he would have like maybe thrown the case up or something, you know, right. climb a ladder with a suitcase. Well, he he didn't want to let it go. Well, can't blame him. <laughs> I really do like Jeffrey Wright in this scene. Like, yeah, because mm-hmm. because going into this movie, I thought who would be the best sacrificial lamb, and I kept thinking it's got to be Felix, mm-hmm. be- because one of my favorites. Before this was uh, VJ and Octopus, and it's like, mm-hmm. how do you top VJ? Y- you go to Felix. <laughs> it's like, can I just say the camera work in this is really interesting because you've got a group of people in a room, and this is always very difficult yeah. to not cross the line when you're doing these reversal shots to other characters. So when we started off, um, Bond was on the other side, and they did a they did a crossing the line shot to establish that. And it's a weird jerking kind of moment where you go, oh, we're on the other side of the action now. But it's better to do that than to have none of the eye lines <laughs> matching up when they keep doing these reversal shots. Um, mm. It's, well, I, you know, you've got four players standing in different points of the scene. The camera right now is technically where that de- 
underneath where that desk from Logan Ash's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are lots of these different switches around, which would be technically difficult, impossible to put the camera in. Um, Anyway, just I just thought I'd mention that because I, I I noticed that when when we were at the screening, I thought like it's really interesting. You've got to be a a, a a master director to really know when to break the rules and how to break them. Mm. Well, I, you know I what? Think... I'm really happy you pointed that out actually because I, I I get so into this scene that you you kind of forget the filmmaking in a lot of ways. But you're so right; it's kind of seamless and. Uh, it appears effortless, even though there must have been an awful lot of thought going into it. This, this would have been hugely difficult to block and to work out where to put the camera uh, and light. Mm. And, um, you know, especially with like one sort of like light source like that, where, you know, normally you can use fill lights and things to kind of create definition, but you've got this overall kind of one light doing that scene. And so when you start crossing over, shadows fall differently. It's a... Yeah, it's impressive that they've done they've done this, and I like that they took well, this down into here to be able to do this intimate scene. Well, I think that also, the, never mind. I'm, go on, go on. I'm sorry. Just in terms of gut level, I think this may be the best uh, sacrificial lamb scene in the series. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's they're they're both you know both uh, Craig and uh, Wright are on their A games, and it's it, you know like I certainly felt you know, gut punch watching it, even though I suspected it was coming, but yeah, uh, you, you, yeah. you kind of know at this point, don't you right now? Yeah. He's not going to make it out of this, but even though you're kind of no. like, it's Felix Fider, he's, he's not going to not live. Right. And then, but you, you, even at this point, you're like, Oh, they're really, yeah. We did suspect <laughs> it from the trailer though, didn't we? Cause you could see well, Felix lying there when the explosion went off. Well, actually somebody like said, Oh, I think they gave something away on on an early trailer. And then I, I did a direct message to him. I said, what are you talking about? Oh, and they he, he then sent me like this, uh, screen capture and like, okay, my, <laughs> it still wasn't clear to me, but this guy was very, he, he thought he was right. He was right in the end. And so that, that planted a seed in my mind before the movie came out. So, but yeah, but they're, they're both great actors and, yeah, so I would say this is the best sacrificial lamb thing in the Eon series. And I definitely get Vesper Lynn vibes from a lot of this. Mm. And I, having rewatched Casino Royale recently, just the acting of Eva Green in that moment when Vesper Lynn dies is is so incredibly trapped to be able to show emotion underwater and with water. And mm. in this case, you're talking about again closed spaces, the love between the two of these the these men, um, just this notion of like let me go. It's a, it, it, it he Bond had difficulty letting Vesper Lynn go, and you can see through the acting of Daniel Craig that he's having this challenge of literally letting his brother go, and right. I think it's a brilliant scene. Yeah, and 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 Wright has a line about make it worth it or something like that. I just saw this last night on a VOD <laughs> rental, so uh, yeah, it just it's it's a great you know it's a great scene. I I think. Um... Lisa's absolutely right. It hadn't hadn't occurred to me, but it is essentially a bookend of losing mm-hmm. the people that he even loves, even down to the silver briefcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, and and I think that might play into you know his decision making later on in in the film. You know, not 
you know, not uh, n- never having a chance to kind of save Vesper or, or not to be able to save, um, you know, Felix here, you know, he's got an opportunity at the end to, to, to be able to save people. And I think that having these two, two similar deaths yeah. uh, with their, with their similar kind of consequences for him emotionally, make it sensible that that, that would be his choice. And I love the way that the elemental really emphasizes this idea where you have him underwater, which is one thing, but you have those great shots of seeing fire above and having the camera look up. And I love it when you get like, usually it's like air and water because they're they're so close together, but these are supposed to be antithesis, right? Mm. Fire and water cannot exist at the same time, but to see this destructive fire as Bond is trying to have this life-saving breath. I mean, I just love the way that the elements are working together. It's visually stimulating, but it also sends powerful messages as well. I I think they've done a really good job in this film when it comes to using yeah. elements effectively, symbolically, and visually. Mm-hmm. So there's um, probably about a week missing from the film between those two shots because he was on a dinghy with a freight ship and now he's in the UK again. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, in, in the novelization, does he like have to win a game of Ma Yong against the captain of the ship to win money or something to get his ticket back? And- there's a weird time cut in that garage thing. They sh- they pan- they're panning from one side of the car to the other and he he's pulling the cover off but by the time they get to the other side of the car, he's already in it. It's like a, it's a well, jump cut, but not. But because they show all those uh, stuff uh, at the side of the uh, storage unit, like like the uh, bulldog and the sure. other stuff, crates of Bollinger. Yeah. No, but oh, Phil did- was talking about. There's one shot in there where you, there's like two bonds. There's two Daniel Craigs because yeah. he's still on. Yeah. He's still taking the cover off, but he's also getting into it. It's a, right. yeah, the interesting. Spirit, it's because he can't drive stick, don't you know? <laughs> well, 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 real quick though about uh, Logan Ash, it does remind me about a Roadrunner cartoon where you would see like you half expect you know the uh, freeze frame Logan Ash parentheses traitorous obnoxious parentheses like <laughs> I mean he is a little obvious but again I didn't think about that till when I was going home I love that character so she's wearing a safari jacket and they posted that two years ago and I was like she's double O seven. Right. Like, do you think I, that that's a, a, a very knowing nod, or am I just? No, no I, I think I, I, full I on, thousand full percent on. agree. Yeah. Uh, she, she's clearly, you know, it's so cool. Yeah. Well, it, 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 in the uh, climatic sequence, I don't think it's intentional, but like, I do find it amusing that uh, Bond in the climax is wearing uh, something from the Jaws collection. <laughs> with his, uh, with his, with his suspenders yeah. and the shirt, like does look like something out of Moonraker. Not exactly, but quite, right. you know, but in that direction. Ralph Fiennes must have really clear. Ralph Fiennes must have really cleaned house because nobody in the office seems to recognize Bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been five years. So oh, staff but didn't they though? Isn't, wasn't that like wasn't one of those women that walked by going double O like they caught her she caught herself sort of like everybody else is sitting at a computer like la di like nothing's going on who's his so. secret agent James <laughs> no they don't even he they probably don't even know what he does he, he they think he probably just does some occasional dusting in Sam's office hmm. um I will say though this off this office scene with uh bond and uh, M I, is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Mm. Like it's brilliant. 
that whole thing about like you're awful thirsty like bond lecturing somebody about drinking mm. it's it's fantastic i loved yeah. it i like a drink as, as long as as much as the next man unless that man's um, yeah. mm. um <laughs> this is the scene that um they shot when prince charles was right. visiting right mm. do you know what's, what it's interesting to me this is kind of an aside but like how it, m's office is kind of this understood space in our psyche and yeah. even if if you were to see you know 25 shots of m's office all kind of lined up they'd be so completely different and yet somehow you know we know that this is the space and it's it's sort of like it's sort of a kind of a dream right. thing of like oh this doesn't look like the, the other yeah. ones but we know like Jeff, jeffrey Keane could walk in and you'd be fine with it right right now. <laughs> Yeah, but it's but it's weird. I reckon if you actually looked at lots of side by side pictures of it, you'd just see these huge discrepancies in you know. Oh, yeah. But your mind fully accepts it. It's great. Well, that, that's what I meant about your brain photoshops in things. Yeah, you yeah. don't actually see. Um, yeah. When I was doing graphic design, we had this um, we had this person come in uh, in the middle of a of a lecture and ask for something, and there was a kind of a couple of minutes, and then he went. And they asked us, you know, then the lecturer returned to us and said, right, I want you to all draw that guy and make a list of everything he was wearing. And, you know, and, the, and the, 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 it was so disparate, it was so off. Like some things were, some things were right, but mostly people just had a completely different impression. So I think it's, uh, it's one of those kind of interesting things where your brain kind of interpolates all these kind of extra images. Can I just sort of, as we were to go back, sorry, to go back to this notion of drinking, and it's just a thought that I had, I find it very interesting that alcohol is presented as being acceptable, at least in pop culture or in certain professional contexts, like <laughs> the head of MI6 is drinking in his office on the job, yeah, but- or this notion of lawyers are able to like open up a cabinet and have a drink after a long day. And yet yeah. as, me as a professor, um, if I did that, I would be fired for yeah, drinking yeah, on the yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. You're also so, not in the UK, though. Every time we see this kind of stuff, my wife says to me, is everybody in the UK drinking all day? I'm like, <laughs> But it is yeah, a US convention specifically with like the law practice. Because I've asked my friend, um, she's a lawyer and her husband's a lawyer. And it's this notion of like, well, well law is stressful. And I'm like, but you can drink in your office. <laughs> I, I just. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> we used to do it every Friday. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that I don't know, like, certain I, workplaces, it would be, you would lose your job is what I'm saying. I, I can tell you this. The first time I came to the States for work and I had a meeting with Disney and we had lunch with some Disney executives and they went around the table and said, what's everybody having for to drink at lunchtime? I was like, oh, a gin and tonic. And they all looked at me like, who the fuck is this alcoholic? <laughs> and, it, and everybody else ordered like iced tea. And I was like, oh. Yeah, Oops. cultural differences. <laughs> well, remember in no time, uh, I'm sorry, tomorrow never dies when uh, they're like swilling sw- down drinks on the way to the airport. <laughs> so that, that was a British thing then. <laughs> so the big question I have is, did they edit out Q's line about he'll be right over in China, mm. Russia, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, <laughs> all these other places? It, it, have you had any confirmation about that yet? No, so, but I, 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 
I'm going to try and get some of the foreign versions of this when the DVDs come out to see if they mm. do indeed. Because that, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think they did because that, oh, they would, will that <laughs> will fit in with Eon's um, half-assed approach to these things where they think they're doing the right thing, but actually they're just laying down for... Well, it's most major studios, uh, most major releases yeah. do that. I think The Eternals is probably the first instance recently that i've heard of where they're like no nah, actually well, well, we're, we're well, not going to make edits well actually i uh, um there was a star trek movie where like because the original actor in this in the tv show was gay they made sulu gay in the movie and like you know, he met his family and they went off but uh, and like people like were really upset about this and even george takei the original actor said well the I didn't want to do that because that was not Gene Roddenberry's idea, but, but you know, it's at this point, it's like, who cares? <laughs> who really cares? Well, it's, it, it's, it's the foreign markets, isn't it? It's, oh, um, yeah. you know, China oh. and Russia. Yeah. Where it's, uh, I'll tell, you, I'll tell yeah. you something though, guys, whether they, whether they cut it out of those markets, which I think, you know, is, as James says, a bit of a half-assed kind of like, um, strategy or, or whatever. Um, I was just glad to have that line, Oh yeah, in, absolutely. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's great. Um, I, 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 think, I, I think it's great, but I think it's also not great in the way that they did it, so that they could take it out. Yeah, right. no, I, yeah. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with that, James. It's you know, but that's I, I guess that was to be sort of expected. Although I have to say, put a very big smile on my face in the mm-hmm. in the theater. Well, in, in the year twenty twenty one, it should not be a big deal. But, really shouldn't, but yeah, but it, you know, but, is, but it has been so, yeah. and, con- and and continues to be. And but what I think is very important is that our media and our popular media, such as films like this, do make that effort um, mm. to to normalize uh, what is normal. Um, mm. You know, mm-hmm. to 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 allow people to kind of break away from some of these tropes and conventions that have been kind of pushed through film and media uh, and allow us to kind of have, have some representation. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Phil, can we talk about hair and DNA? <laughs> we have to. Yes. <laughs> Cause it's your thing, isn't it? It's my thing. Yes. I, I tweeted something three, four years ago now that my 12 year old niece asked me if she donated her hair to locks of love and someone wearing her hair committed a crime and her hair was left at the scene. Could she be implicated via DNA? Uh, wow. it's millions and millions of views. She's a very bright kid. She's almost in college now. But uh, anyway, the short answer is there's no DNA in hair. It's only in, if the root is present in the hair. So this moment where he steals one of her hairs is giant plot hole. Oh, you're a thousand percent right. Maybe she's got dandruff. <laughs> yeah. he yanked it out there's a big meaty chunk of hair root on the end of there that we didn't see but uh i think if he found it on her furniture or something there's no wouldn't it be funny if it was from a previous patient that was also blind <laughs> yes. and, and Bond killed himself for no reason oh, no. <laughs> oh god no but this is a really great point that you just like we don't know. Like, I mean, yes, he's doing the thing with the hair, and we can make this assumption that he did it. But what a complete, like, mind fuck if he didn't actually make this thing for right. Bond's wife and child and said that he did, and then Oof. Bond went and killed himself for literally for nothing. Like, that is like a level of villainy that. <laughs> 
wow mm. i've never thought like what if this just wasn't even true <laughs> <laughs> You know what? If, if if that's the case, I think it's it's a result of all these rewrites with different writers maybe <laughs> jumping in mm. at different times. But if he just Possibly. made it up, then that means him saving the hair in that little napkin was just uh, just fucking weird. He's just, maybe it's so, a tick of his. He's maybe a little creep. It's his thing. No, he's maybe, maybe that was Scott he's C. Burns. His, his contribution. He's not a geneticist. He's a gardener. So he <laughs> basically was trying to make this poison. He can't do it. He got that doctor to do it. He's brought yeah. the hair back. And, the, you know, the first thing the doctor's going to go is like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> and he's There's uh, no DNA in this hair. I cannot no make. DNA. And he's just going to he's just going to go, well, you have a red, you have some have some fake blood for Halloween. Yeah. And real some quick, we just, we just breeze past the part where, like, it is it is insinuated that Nomi is Currently, while the scene is playing out inside uh, Blofeld's butthole, that's looking right. for a bus. <laughs> that's canon. That is Bond canon. That is, you're not wrong. You're not. Well, is did, she they personally did, they doing they it? Or is, she's like, I'll bring my gloves. Oh yeah. my he god! He said, scan the whole damn man. She said, I'll bring my gloves. That is a. That's an anal probe. That isn't. An, that's a. That's a. An, that's an anal joke right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the line um, "cold hands, warm heart" would have been a better joke. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny how how we endured two years of people calling this the woke Bond, and 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 she's gonna, you know, uh, be she's gonna ruin Bond, and she is she more blindly follows the, her government than anyone else in the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, she reminds me of the kind of the description of 008, you know, like follows orders, not instincts. Right. And, you know, that and and that kind of follows on the idea that, you know, whoever takes on the 007 mantle isn't necessarily Bond. They have their own, you know, ways Methods. of doing things. Did I hear Ooh, somewhere that you- that candy dish is supposed to be uh, the female anatomy? Oh. I read that somewhere on a forum someone had sourced the candy dish because, you know, you got to collect everything well, that's in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it strikes me as maybe one of the prop buyers was just having a laugh because yep. that happened with Skyfall where they said we need something and they went down to the market and got that bulldog. And then after they were filming, it was like, oh, shit, that's Royal Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to do a deal for it, allegedly. <laughs> Oops. We're not talking what, about yeah, the what is it with gu- What Go is ahead. it with gummy, ca- gummy candies in this film? I don't There's know. A lot of gummy bears. Well, it's they were talking directly to me at, at the screening because I just had a gummy. <laughs> And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really interesting. Basically, what Em is saying here is, like, I developed a way to basically assassinate people. And, it, it you know, without, like, it, 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 it's as if he's the good guy slightly apologizing. Yeah, you know, I did. I did make this kind of, like, super weapon. <laughs> but, you know, I was going to use it for good. That's but, on me. Yeah, my bad. And it, what Geneva Convention? Right, right. I've and never been to Geneva. <laughs> I was not invited to the convention. Calvin, you're absolutely right. He's breaking God knows how many laws by doing this, right? And yeah, you know, by rights is the villain of the film. Mm. And putting like, into jeopardy the double O program. I mean, what he's doing is trying to effectively replace 
the double O's with this particular agent, thereby taking out the well, entire section of the well, government. That's yes. assuming that the double O's missions are always to kill people. Well, which, but, which mm, but meanwhile, in this scene, in the background, they do have the main theme from Undermatch's Secret Service. Mm. Yeah. It's very yeah. quiet. It's very, you know, a slow arrangement of it. But like, yeah. So it's like, here you go, Bond fans. You know, mm. boink, boink, boink. Come on, let's go and get our genocidal weapon back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and just to be clear, like, I like this movie a lot, and I think this is a good scene too, but yeah, Mm. there there are like a number of questionable ethical things embedded in the scene, so... Oh. I like how Bond's been back to MI6 already. Saw everybody, but nobody told Tanner. Nobody told Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, out man. of the loop. And, no I, and I'm getting my double O status back. I don't care about the number. This bit <laughs> is so good with Ben Rishore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just He's goes, oh. brilliant. Fancy seeing you here. <laughs> he just goes so <laughs> Oh, meanwhile, he's been staying with Q. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. Now, yeah, never mind. Just, there's... Yeah. I won't say more. I, I do, honestly, you know, you've got some of the best acting talent in this room right now, right? This, Agreed. This is unbelievably good talent in this room, and, and they are so Let's all look crim- at the laptop. criminally underused. Rory Kinnear is an amazing actor, and he gets to sort of say three things. Um yeah, he I says, um, one of my favorite lines is, uh, mad, about, mad as a bag of peas. Yeah. Bees. 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 It's so good. It's just looking at him. It's just like, <laughs> I get to say, that's my close up for the movie. Bye. And mm-hmm. I just, I feel like he, I know Tanner's not exactly like a big role, but like, he, he definitely doesn't feel like he's really like the, that big, bigger deal, even in the, even in the Scooby gang here. Yeah. Well, well, well we, meanwhile, meanwhile, if uh, some screenwriter had had their way, you would have uh, you would have killed off Tanner Inspector. Inspector. Yeah, that's right. When he, when he commits suicide in front of Bond, so it's like good thing that didn't happen because we got this scene as yeah. a result. We have this habit of 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 looking at them taking these roles as uh, from an egotistical point of view, but like, what if he just likes these gigs? What if it's just fun for him? Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure yeah. it is. I think you know he 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 grew up watching these. He gets to like have a have a little uh, piece of the legacy there, and and even if it's three scenes, which I think it actually is in this movie, you know he he's uh, he's still showing up. Uh, what is this? Thirteen years later. Well, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. eleven when they filmed it, but you can I don't know. you can tell this is a late shoot because the blocking is all just mm-hmm. basically facing the camera, like everyone's just facing the same way. Uh-huh. <laughs> because they're obviously yeah. looking, they're looking at the screen, and that would make sense that they would all be just standing in a line and looking one way. But if you watch that scene when they when you're cutting between them all talking, they're just basically in a line. So it makes me feel like that whole nanobot thing was such a last minute thing where they just went, just stand in a line and say your lines. Well, it, it was because um, Fukunaga did say in interviews that um, the MI sixteens without Bond were shot early, and they had to make all the lines really generic because they didn't know what they were going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that scene can... with Bond there was late in the shoot. Yeah, I, I was going to say, because it just doesn't feel like it was blocked out as as cleverly as some of these other uh, <clears throat> other shots have been. Is Nomi being shitty to her here? Like, 
this yes. line reading is very strange to me, and I'm not sure I understand what the motivation is. What? Mm. When you're done with your important prepper, like, wh what is that? Why is she antagonistic? Uh, it's internalized misogyny. <laughs> I well, like this line that she has coming up where she says, if Bond does anything weird in there, you'd be doing me a really big favor, so just uh, don't make it easy for him. It, yeah. it reeks of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, that line. I really like it. But again, but again in the next oh. moment, she's like like being, you know, like, do you, you'd be doing, like, there's a there's a uh, camaraderie there almost, and, and that bathroom moment is just weirdly hostile. Oh. I, I don't get it. Me meanwhile, here coming up here, we, uh, Q is a uh, Digging out the uh, video from the um, eyeball bionic mm. guy, excuse me, and like, oh, oh, bionic. It, it is a lift from an early Black Mirror episode, that whole, even, yeah. user, even the user interface. Yeah. Can I just go back to the, the the bathroom thing? And this is yeah. something that I'm thinking of. Like this movie has three really strong actors playing playing women. So you have Madeline Sado, you have uh, Nomi, and you have Money Penny, all played by great actors. I don't feel as though this film at all tries to develop a sense of camaraderie or connection between or across these women. No. I, I, when you were talking about actors being underused, Money, I mean Money Penny, just screaming in that scene, like "Give me." lines. <laughs> I'm an award-winning actor. Right. But I find it interesting that in a film so populated by women, it, it, like you say, this awkward bathroom scene, which doesn't actually make sense. It would have made more sense for Nomi to be somewhat supportive. Like, right. you've got this, you know, don't let him get to you, blah, blah, blah. That's something that I would expect women to do. With, I mean, it's women in bathroom culture, right? Women are supportive of each other, you know, within, within the washroom uh, situation. And so I feel as though this is just it, it, it just it, it strikes me that there's this division of 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 women being like pushed away from each other, whereas showing bonds between women, homosocial bonds that have nothing to do with like romance, right? It's just straight up friendship. I think would just be a more beneficial way to give us, I, I don't know, just like a better supportive structure for Bond working in the situation. Have you ever I'm seen a, a TV show called That Mitchell and Webb Look? <laughs> which is basically no. like a comedy sketch show um but a, there's a there's a sketch that they do which is just these two film writers who have done no research into <laughs> w what the subject is that they're writing about and it feels like this is those two guys writing a scene between women mm. interesting well, from, they just <clears throat> when we when the final trailers came out i think on one of our podcasts we did talk about like Everybody in this film from the trailers was in conflict with each other. Yeah. And there was no need for it. Mm. That's my point. There's no need to have everybody constantly in conflict. That's not, that's no not need reality. For conflict in the Bond community. <laughs> I, I think it's fine. I mean, you know, um, Nomi and Money Penny have that little moment when Bond goes into the office yeah. earlier on, and they have the yeah, everyone tries to shoot him at least once kind of thing. That's kind of all I needed. I, yeah, and Nomi's kind of snarky, and Madeline is <laughs> very untrustworthy. Uh, I know they've kept tabs on her. Obviously, not that good because they don't know she's got a child. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I just get the sense in that scene that it's kind of like, Ugh, I, I know that we have to use you because you're the only one he'll speak to. So I, I, that's where I think it. Mm. kind of comes from but i wish yeah. they would have said that like if she would have said like even with that attitude like oh like i know we have to use you because of this i would have 
been more supportive of that being the scene than whatever kind of weird dialogue they were trying to go for in that scene. Like, just give give, give me the truth of the matter. I also think, like, seeing her putting the perfume on, maybe she's, you know, maybe that's, uh, uh, you know, she's like, oh, really? You're, like, put, I think she thinks it's like, oh, you know, this feminine thing of, like, putting on perfume for this assignment, right. and maybe she's kind of looking down on Fair. her for that. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so next, just... next time you watch this, imagine these lines from Roger Moore. I, everybody hates this <laughs> scene, but I really, really love this scene. Well, me, well meanwhile, well, we're, uh, we're going to go like a we're going to Fleming a bit about Die Blow sure, Blofeld sure. Die. Well, it was like part, well, part of the Fleming content for this movie. Eventually, find that your friends become your enemies. <laughs> <laughs> but I really think Phil is on to something here. I mean, there is a very Roger Moore, again. Why I like the scene: a very Roger Moore esque type of 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 dialogue or banter. And I feel as though Daniel Craig is showing us a different flavor of bondage, like that we really haven't seen before. And you even saw it in the Mallory scene, right? Like it's this different temperament mm. and the way that he's engaging with a superior officer. I don't know if they're what we would consider if they're not working together. And then here with this arch nemesis, right? He's holding himself in a very different way. And he's got some of the, I don't know, comedic bravado of Roger Moore. And it's something that I like. Like I dig yeah. this. I and, dig and, the and energy. That, that side shot of Craig with all the mirror repetition repetitions looks like the Octopussy teaser poster. Interesting. So here we are now getting the, oh, this is where we learn that Logan Ash is yeah, well, it, specifically, it's where Q says, oh, Bond looking sharp. Yeah, but this is also where we get that whole kind of realization yeah. that Logan Logan Ash is kind of um Logan Ash has, has, you know, has recruited has Cyclops. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, it, you know, it's kind of, would one, wouldn't Blofeld have seen this? Yes. <laughs> well, he took his, his butthole up, bug out. Well, do it when he's asleep. Hope he didn't see the <laughs> see the file. I, I don't know. I mean, if I want to see I want to see Blofeld going crazy in his cell. Like, what are you oh. doing? <laughs> no. Actually, the question I is, think why the is he wearing that eyeball? scene goes beyond that, but uh, I won't say anymore. This is like the world's shittest forklift truck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's it's like the British government. Yeah, we, we're out of funds, so. There you go. You could definitely kind of CGI in a forklift. I think that would be great. Or just this this reversal shot here where it's dark on the sides. Just make it a crane. It's just really high up and the building is just blunt. Anyway, sorry, I'm just... I don't want to see Tanner turning a big wheel that winches <laughs> in back. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me that they would have this super high security and then drop that right. barrier. That's just main... Right. So little sense. Um, yeah, you may as well just walk down the corridor if they're going to do that. Right. Uh, gov- government deficits. There you go. No camera. This is interesting because this is a this is actually quite hard to do to move. Like you can CGI out cameras in mirrors, but this was done first in a, a, like a TV show, a uh, British TV show. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it opened up with David Tennant, and it was like a uh, you know, did this guy really do it kind of thing? And he's sitting in the interview room and they do, and they worked out that multiple mirror uh, shot to remove the camera. It's actually, it's actually right. a tricky one to do. 
It's very effective, though. <laughs> mm. So do we agree or disagree that Christoph Waltz's reason for coming back was he didn't really nail it, Inspector, and he wanted another go at it? Did he succeed? No, he did not. Um, I think he's as, as old Blofeld's actually probably better when it's just uh, you know when he's a voice earlier on at the party just like muttering things and when there's that uh, CCTV shot of him again in his cell and they think he's mad he's he's better in those um, mm. bits than than this. He's not given enough to do uh-huh. really. He's not it, you know it's hard to be a credible threat really when you you've just not given. You're sitting in a cherry picker. Yeah. What? Not not a credible threat when like you like you are manipulating everything from prison. No, I mean that, I, that's yeah. that that's a long that's a long trope of yeah. Uh, sure, I sure. I mean that's that's been done a a, a, a lot before. million times. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> so many things have been. You know, you could uh, you could you, if you did a drinking game out of the tropes in in this film, you'd be uh, you'd be sloshed in the first ten minutes. Pick. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it has to do with Christoph Waltz and the types of villains that he can play, right? He's somebody who needs a lot of meat. He needs mm-hmm. a lot of content. And he plays sort of like a nice guy with a twisted side to him mm-hmm. versus him ha- being that type of actor who just sits there and looks. And I can name off some actors who can just sit there, give a look, and you're like, ooh, that gives me chills. He's right. just not that guy. And so it- it's about having like the-, the the material that will match the the sentence that you're trying to convey and he just doesn't have that type of presence i'm not saying he's not a good actor he doesn't have cinematic presence but to be blowfeld and to just look out and creep us out he doesn't have that type of energy and mm. i think that's where the limitation and is or at least for me the disconnect with him i completely agree well, Lisa, well I, can i, I just I say that, can agree. I, sorry go on Go ahead, Ben. I was I'm sorry. Say, I was going to say, say something. I really, I really agree with you, Lisa. I think he is a better actor when he's got real stuff to chew down on, and the, and the mm-hmm. tension is already kind of created in that juxtaposition. You know, like Inglorious Bastards is a great example of of, of that um, sinister kind of this hiding behind the you know the yes. personable front. It, there isn't any of that in either Spectre or, or No Time to Die, so he isn't. He doesn't come across as, as as threatening, even though, as Bill says, he is a threat. He doesn't. You don't perceive him as one, really. I I just want to say, Ben, I agree with ninety percent what you just said. It just it's just that. Oh, it. You know, it just it's. I think he got shoehorned in this movie. That's what yeah. I think happened. So anyway, I'll well, leave it at know, that. I mean, it, it makes sense that. He's in it, and uh, I don't think it's a bad performance at all necessarily. I just don't really feel like it's, you know, he is a, he's a good actor. He's just not given much to work with, and then we're suddenly we're we again through the magic of, uh, you know, this kind of editing, we're thrust I, forward, you know, several hours, days, yeah. who knows. <clears throat> We should have done a we should have done a drinking game about sunset lens flare, shouldn't we? <laughs> well, I, I was I was just going to say I think uh, Walt did what he could with the part in this film, mm. but like you know, it's like they decide like okay, Safin is a little bit a bigger villain, and so that's how mm. they went. 
I like how they redress the set here because it's obviously just the same house, but it's time has passed. And in the beginning, because Safin falls through the yeah, uh, yeah also... falls through and breaks that railing, and then here we go back years later, and she's changed the railings. She's not just cha- what's really interesting and something I'm kind of glad that they did was they did change some of the furniture, but not yeah. all of the furniture. Right. Yeah. So right. it would make sense that you might keep that chair, but you know, I, and, and I like. I like that. It really feels organic, like time has passed mm-hmm. here. Can I make a comment about costuming? Because where where Madeline Swan loses me is this fact that you are at home with a five-year-old child and you're wearing all white. And like I have t- two young nephews. And like I always wear dark colored clothes around them because things spill, people sneeze, Ketchup. things along those lines. And I feel as though like it's being utilized here in this notion to set up her innocence, right? That she was innocent. She was sort of the innocent potential bride. I feel as though there's that imaging. And then as we move along near the end, you will see that she and Bond end up wearing the reversal of each other's clothes, right? I think that she ends up having a black top with white pants and he has black pants with a white top and they show that they're, that they're, they connect together because the colors connect. But I've always found this moment when you're walking and you're just dressed in white, I'm like, this is so unrealistic for, for, for just, you could, Hey, if you're a parent out there and you wear all white and you have no problems, I think congratulations to you, but it's not something that any parents with young children would be like, this is something that I wear. It's totally unrealistic. Yeah. And again, you know, writers not having kids because at the end, like the the five year old is so well behaved. It's like, no, <laughs> not gonna happen. They would be, she would be in the water playing with rocks, throwing yeah. stuff around. <laughs> Eating the rocks. <laughs> right. I, I took this scene as a bit of a play on the indubitably, you know, kind of like um when he's coming up with all the different adjectives. Um yeah. Bond does at the end of Majesty's at the car. Mm. Is Sean around? Because I do have a question on your thoughts on lines. Because you have like this entire set, whether it's the staircase with a lot of white lines, where you have uh, the the windows which have like some sort of lined texture. There's just a lot of intersecting lines here, and I'm wondering, like the staircase, wondering your thoughts if that's something that you were looking at when you were watching this film, or am I just being like there's just a lot of lines and it means nothing? <laughs> I I can't say I've. I'd, I'd not picked up on that until you mentioned it, actually. But you're right; there are a lot of. Um, I don't. Maybe it's maybe there's some symbolism there between this the house being a sort of place where time meets as two points. There's kind of a wonderful symmetry hmm. in where it's shot with how Bond approaches the house. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there, um, or maybe it is just how the that sort of retro kind of interior decorating wood paneling kind of thing they're going for. Yeah. They also will um, use use structure lines to point to things of interest or characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you frame a shot so that the lines of, the say, the roof are pointing towards Bond's head, as they sort of are here, um, it draws your focus mm-hmm. more to them. It's a... Um, I it's think they're, they're they're kind of doing that more with the lighting though, and they do it in mm. a lot of scenes throughout where the lighting has there's a very strong singular light source. It's not um, 
as you can get can get with some film sets, you get a very balanced yeah. sort of like this is very much there's light in one direction and maybe there's something yeah. there about characters heading in a certain direction. And and going back to Lisa's point about the kids, like that little curtain on one end of the room to make the bedroom, whereas the other side of the house is all glass. Yeah, <laughs> that kid is not sleeping. <laughs> um, they are these. They are married, aren't they? No, Mm-mm. because the the hotelier says your wife. Yeah, but yeah, but bad. I think that Hotel would. Guys I, I have mean, a habit of fucking that up in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Live and Let Die? Oh, Mrs. Bond checked in already. Right. Yeah. Oh, I think it's but... just assumed if you book the honeymoon suite. Yeah, well, I mean, that's another thing, too. They booked the honeymoon suite. Are they... I don't know. I like how Mr. White goes home with his, with his Sharpie and is like, got that one? Got that <laughs> yeah, one? Done, got that one? Done, <laughs> done, <laughs> got that one? Not this kid, though. Mm. Kid got away. But there's nothing to definitively say that they are, right? We're anyway. taking Saffin by his word. Oh, okay. But um, somebody was talking on um, social the other day about how. Made... Um, hang on a second. How um, Saffin basically gives up his revenge plot for like a huge chunk of time, and then comes back years later. So what was he doing in the meantime? Hmm. Do you follow? Like he went to yeah. you know to get revenge on Mister White by killing his wife. And then just like forgets it for twenty years, and then comes back. Well, was he Darden, isn't he? Yeah. Well, the, I think the story is that Blofeld took over the island, right? So he's homeless, right? He hasn't finished his revenge, but what, what's he been doing for twenty years? Is he developing the nano? No, that's M. Uh, right. uh, Maybe he's just got a lot of acid to stir, or um, <laughs> you know, like, maybe he's working on his thesis. Was it not just not just a kind of like circumstance that all the Spectre agents were in one place, so that was sort of triggered his plan. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he was waiting for twenty years for Blofeld's birthday. <laughs> he was having a lot of facial reconstruction done, and when he wa- <laughs> well, he wanted to reveal himself to Madeline when one, you know, that she didn't look like an actual child, and and. To that he didn't look like you know he put his head into some industrial waste. <laughs> so you know, I think that's probably what he was doing. He was just that's making omelets. I don't know. <laughs> isn't it disappointing that Bond isn't making an omelet here? Like he's doing some, the apple. <laughs> I feel like, oh, this would be the perfect opportunity for that. It would have been, wouldn't it? He became a virgin. <laughs> I feel like that's just Daniel Craig, though. Like that's how mm-hmm. he would probably just act and react if he cooked something. Mm-hmm. Like you do see this, this, this human and humane side that I really feel Daniel Craig allows to shine through. That you know, I, I'm not sure if I could see another Bond being able to pull off that. Like looking at a child with that much love and being like, "Hey, what do you think?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So mobile phones. Um, are all mm. these shots with Craig holding a phone are they now CGI'd? The phone. Oh, good question. Well, they, definitely, they definitely did in the commercials. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, good question. I don't know enough about Nokia I phones. I think Nomi's was, wasn't it? Well, mm. I mean, yeah. You show me a Nokia phone from five years ago or from five years in the future and I can pick them out. <laughs> <laughs> 
such a nice house. Just, uh, just love it. Just that, that, I mean, the, 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 I know that this is probably another, you know, another build set, um, much as Bond, oh, yeah, it was. Bond's yeah. house was. Um, but really, just lovely production design there um, for both Jamaica and for uh, and for this this cabin. It's uh, it's, it's great. Wish it would have been a like a a Volvo, you know, two forty GL or something. That would have been great. Um. Like a mustard, rusty mustard Volvo from the <laughs> 1980s would have been perfect. So it would have been cool, actually. Uh, so apparently there's actually a reason why Corbold and the team picked this vehicle was because to outmuscle those, are they Range Rovers? Right. Um, this one has the type of suspension or something that can actually do it. So there's a logical reason why the little car can actually be the big car in what he does with it. Right. Um, and conversely the reason they picked the Range Rovers is because they could do the jumps whereas this car couldn't so if you're into your cars and shit it makes sense mm. as to why they did this mm. David and Goliath kind of it actually right. works gotcha Te- technically it works mm. do you think at any point in the scripting that line about uh, from Matilda about being bit mm. by the mosquito do you think that was something else or do you think it was always just intended as just you know kid chatting in the back while the tension builds. I don't know. I quite like it because it kind of feels like a deliberate red herring because you're kind of preparing yourself for some mm-hmm. kind of plot mm. with the like an evil virus. Mm, I suppose it's about I, yeah. I guess it was more to me, to my mind, it was more like how, you know, mosquitoes transmit disease and this was idea that it was it could touch you and you would tr- you would tr- you would be tr- have that disease transmitted to you and I think it was just more mm. of a kind of a um, a, a, a nod to how the transmissible this nanovirus I can't I don't know what to call it really yeah would would be mm. yeah that's but no that's yeah. that's but that's interesting it's kind of there's a setup there that it that this is the first time Matilda could be vulnerable to it and so that's the first mm-hmm. time it clicks in Bond's head right mm. oh yeah oh I like that yeah. I mean again unfortunately there are a lot of these things that make sense when you explain them in a certain way like Sean just did that makes sense but as from a casual viewer Calvin and I both went hmm is this where is this going what are they doing yeah. with this? so you, you know I, I think you've got to be careful with ambiguity uh, and metaphor um, mm. especially when you know as a writer, if you're really myopic on something, you know what your intention is, but it's very hard to step back and wonder whether that it's going to be misinterpreted in any way. It is, it's kind of a bit like modern art where people can see whatever they want to see in it and um, or jazz and you have to listen to the notes that don't play. It's mm. like, did they, was there actually thorough thought into the intention of that or was it just a let's stick some lines in here? Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, is it just you know she's just chatting shit in the back of the car, yeah, basically? Right. Um, but yeah. uh, but but just in a film where you know every line matters yeah, and everything yeah. means something, and you just know that there's so much on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a curious bit, and I don't think there's any other bits like it in the film, really. No, and to take the time to do that when you know when you've already got a fairly chunky running time, 
you know, mm. to leave it in seems in- incredibly deliberate. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, le- yeah. I lean towards Sean's explanation of just him kind of feeling like, oh, she is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good reading. Mm. Yeah. Well how do you, done, Sean? You get a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I was just going to ask, how do you guys feel about the action sequence as a whole? Looked better in the trailer. This mm. bit, um, the Return of the Jedi bit. <laughs> the bit, the bit with the cars and the yeah, the I, cars. I wish that there was a bit. I wish that there was a bit more of like a skyfall. Like I love that opening sequence in Skyfall, the progression of it from you know the the bike to the car to the on the train to the digger on the train kind of thing. And I, I wish that this had that same kind of sense of escalation. Like the helicopter comes in, but it doesn't really. It doesn't it de-escalates. do anything. It de-escalates, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, this would be yeah. better if it. You you really felt like it was just. This would be more like Rambo, where he was just kind of you know, in this environment, they had a superior force and he was able to kind of like slowly take them down. But mm. I guess that's what that first blood kind of vibe is what they're trying to go for. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. I love this bit though. No, this got a huge, Sean, do you remember this bit got a huge yeah. cheer in the, from uh, the premiere night uh, when Madeline comes in and shoots the guy, everyone erupted in applause at that. You know what she does yeah. better than Bond? She puts a couple in him afterwards to make sure. Because if yep. Bond had um, done that in the last couple of films, we'd we wouldn't be we'd, we'd be done by. Right. <laughs> and I like also that Bond totally rotated, you know, to take yeah. that bullet. He wasn't mm-hmm. going to let Madeline die. And if we want to read that for later, you know, he's basically doing the same thing. What is right. one is instinctual, and another is kind of premeditated. Not to mm. diminish what she just did, but had she not put the extra two in him, she would have had one for Safin. Mm. Oh. When he comes and finds her uh, later. Uh, meanwhile, Bond's just throwing all yeah, these ammo. kind of wasting yeah. rounds here. Well, this is yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, meanwhile, we're having a For Your Eyes Only rehash coming up. Oh, with the, the when he pulls Logan the car down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a rehash. Rehash. <laughs> what a car. Dear. Not, not, intent- up to not intentional in that part. You've learned your lesson from Dave Batista. <laughs> yeah. If you see their fingers wiggling, stick yeah. around in them. Hmm. Stick around in them. I have a subtotal question actually so I guess this is for Phil and Ben Uh, Bond's um, outfit here uh, like his coat specifically I'm going to ask about because it's uh, I see it as something quite unusual I don't see people wearing these kinds of you know clothes coats on a daily basis Um, how how do you guys rank this particular outfit I think Uh, it it serves the scene I I like it a lot sorry sorry, you were saying something no no we're we're on the same page I think it serves the scene but I think this is not something you kind of walk down the street in generally you know and that's what we forget with a lot of this uh, this lifestyle stuff uh, that that these things market to that this this was chosen to work in context as many of these pieces are right Uh, yeah Um, and there's a saying in England when somebody wears like you can wear a football shirt to support your team but if you wear the shorts and the socks you're called a full kit wanker (laughs) <laughs> and I think um, anybody walking around dressing up like Bond with this on is a full kit wanker. <laughs> yes, but that Henley, that Henley, oh. like you, you can see Carrie Fukunaga wearing that exact Henley, like both on set and in interviews I've, later. Yeah, <laughs> I have Henleys that look identical to this yeah. year from years so, ago. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple from Jacob. Okay. Um, I, I would say, sorry, just before we get to, the, you know, I know Bill's going to jump in but i just want to cover them very quickly i think individually the pieces are excellent uh i think 
The costuming overall is very, very good on this film, as Phil says, to serve particular scenes. Um, and bye. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there goes my that's bit. The, that's, know, the se- that's the second pancake he made in the same day. Go ahead. I'm just, I was just going to say it is so similar to the for your eyes only scene where uh, Roger Moore kicks the car over the cliff. Like, yes, yes it's not back. exactly the same, but like, yes, very similar. I'll wager it's more You're satisfying. Right. I, should have, I should have held back. That's okay. No worries. I'll, I'll go on mute now. But do you really think back to the notion of like not having enough bullets? Do you really think that was the issue that Bond would leave her with a gun that did not have a bullet or nobody would have checked the gun? Like I always read that as being she didn't have the capacity to shoot him yeah. in that moment that when she's in her maternal mode, she can't actually be violent. And mm. I, yeah, I don't know if I read it as because I mean, you didn't see any sort of indication. She knows her way around a, we- a weapon. She would yeah, probably I check. Think it, I think it was more psychological. Yeah. Alleged CGI car. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Ooh. really interesting because this was the it other looks like it, Now that I'm seeing it, it's like, oh, it, it does totally look is. a bit dodgy, doesn't it? It is. Oh, and that Almost. background's definitely fake. The story is that they, what well, we have B-roll of them shooting with the Valhalla up there in Scotland, and then mm. the the story is that they took it out. They didn't like it, so they CGI'd in the the new one instead. Mm. Oh, wasn't there wasn't there some problem with the road and it being too close um, to the road? Yeah, but mm. it's it was also they decided not to make that car, mm-hmm. right? So. Right, that's then, interesting. It did look very uh, shimmery, didn't it? It looked then, like a land the, speeder. This Just, is all done with LED walls as pickups at Pinewood. So there's yeah. LED mm-hmm. walls behind the car with the footage. Yep. Which beats the hell out of the Fiori's only rotating background. <laughs> you mean the, <laughs> the canvas on a roller? Yep. <laughs> I've got to say, I do love that Nomi drives like just like crazy, like a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, (laughs) it's great. I didn't catch it the first time I saw this at the opening that he's actually wearing pajamas. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, he is. I didn't notice that. Oh, I love it. It was the entire last act in a pair of pajamas. I can do more damage in my pajamas. And and that's where my fix it for the ending also links in as well. Well, Also, M specifically says, kill Sapin, kill the Russian scientist. So it's like later in the movie, like why have they not killed him yet? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't set up the cheesy line well enough. Well, (laughs) there needed to be a vat of acid. And he needed to <laughs> release the release the bones. That's I think right. he was a <laughs> I think he was a convenient hostage for a little while, and then he eventually says something that's like, actually, you know what? Even as a hostage, it's not worth keeping <laughs> yeah. you. That moment Sorry, is so rewarding, time. though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want the uh, QT set for Christmas. <laughs> I want his pajamas now. <laughs> and I've noticed it. I can't stop seeing them. That's fantastic. Just so into the whole pajama thing. Yeah. Oh, I like this callback to the um, owl uh, from Casino Royale as well. Yeah. 
The the smart blood still makes me wince, though. Even in the film with Mega Nanobots, somehow the smart blood is the one thing that doesn't sit right with me. Aren't they <laughs> the same thing? Like, isn't mm. isn't smart blood basically nanobots? Yeah. Or is it? Am I wrong? It is. Do they fight is. inside Bond's body when the smart blood meets whatever it's called? So is is the smart blood a prototype version of Heracles? Ooh. <laughs> Should they not have come up with a more that, memorable that, name for it than Heracles? Because I keep forgetting. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Tierra project in Quantum, right? Um, that's a great point that they could have just said it was a project that spun out of the Smart Blood program. That would have fixed that would have fixed the leap to sci-fi. Right, exactly. And um then it would be interesting. And you could have that whole thing like, you know, like, oh, we're using the we need to use the smart blood now to track us, but we're actually trying to take down its progeny or whatever. And then it it would tie into the whole family thing. (laughs) Okay, I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) This is gonna sound a little sarcastic, but I feel as though the child is acting the crap out of the scene versus like Safin. Like I'm not really buying Safin scaring me, but Matilda is like selling me that this is the most scariest. And of course, Madeline Swan with her, but like the two of them are just selling the scene. I just I'm getting nothing from him. When we first found they were going to have a movie. Yeah, when we first found out they were going to have a kid in the film, I I my heart sank because it's like child actors are usually shit. You know, um, <laughs> she is the third child actor in the film, and the one with, with the most with the yeah. most biggest presence in the in the movie. But still, it's like okay, it's like we haven't had this, you know, since well, we said before, like the man with the golden gun when Roger Moore throws the kid off, you know, off the side of the boat. Like okay, like, she was a great, is... she's a great bit of casting. Honestly, mm. I think you yeah. know yeah. they've really she really. Yeah, I think there is always trepidation about working with, with with certainly very young kids in films, but she's she seems great. She's as good as Carrie Han is in Aliens, and that's saying something. Well, mm-hmm. well uh-huh. I, I I just want to say, like, mostly, I have seen some Bond <laughs> fans on Facebook and social media like lose their shit about a kid being in peril in a Bond movie, so. I don't agree with that, but just saying it's out there. Can I just have a second to say the set design at the end here, the production design throughout all of Safin's base, for want of a better term, is just amazing. And I, this Garden of Death is beautiful. It's a lovely nod to Ken Adam. Um, it also kind of makes sense that it's in this kind of silo so it doesn't, it doesn't ex- extend outside the realms of kind of reality, if you like. Um, I just, I just think it's lit absolutely beautifully, shot really beautifully. Um, this, this whole, you know, cold concrete with the organic. It, it's just, it's so nice, and all that kind of like diffused light through there. It's, it's fantastic. It's 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 kind of uh, balanced out and reflected as well with the music, where it's like everything suddenly gets a lot larger. The orchestra feels a lot wider. You get that sort of, it's a weird way to describe it, but brutalist feel in the music as well that we kind of mm-hmm. get in Goldeneye. Yeah, 
Hmm. It, it um, definitely makes... Sorry, go on, Sean. No, go, 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 go for it. I was just going to say, I like it when you you get these fantastical environments, but sort of also make sense in sort of real world, in a kind of a, a real world way, even if they are kind of an extrapolation of that or, or, or just slightly bigger than life. And this idea that, you know, it is a silo that's been kind of turned into, into something else. All of those elements, you, you know, that you, you love in Bond kind of... Uh, production design you know those those angles those um you know those cantilevers and those all new that. shapes <laughs> <laughs> james perfect what a callback um, what a callback, callback. <laughs> um but yeah I, I love that that you can kind of rationalize these environments uh not to david here uh, i was about to say it was ken adam described them as new shapes back in yeah. with Back in 1977, but um, yes, like Mark Tildesley, like when said the same thing in a 2019 video interview, and it's like you look it up and it's there. So yeah, it was it's really amazing. So this is a combination of CG, green screen, model. I mean, you pick this VFX shots apart. They had doubles coming in yeah. on scale. It's fantastically done. I just, it's, uh, and for me, in terms of design, this is really everything that I could have wanted on a um, Bond finale. You know, okay, you don't have a massive goon army kind of abseiling in or, you know, no one's in coloured jumps. Well, I guess they are in coloured jumpsuits, but, you know, otherwise this is just pitch perfect kind of design for me. Uh, the, the whole thing for me feels like um, um, it's like a live action version of Island Infiltration from Nightfire. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the, oh, gosh, ask, yeah. I was going to ask you guys about that because I have a feeling that we're going to see more of this uh, in the years to come, that the directors we're going to get are going to be of the generation that grew up with PlayStation and right. onwards, and we are mm. going to get more of this um, game design influenced production versus the other way around like it's mm. going to loop back on itself the mm. whole bit where he comes you know bond is going up to the control room is is pure video game you know even this to a degree is 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 kind of really a video game ending it's a well, great this, shot though this is Beautiful basically shot. the end of the one of the end levels in nightfire is bond and, mm-hmm. a, and bond and allura mccall in, are infiltrating an island base even right. even down yeah. to the color palette and everything, it feels mm-hmm. so similar. No, really true. And, and and as you said, Sean, about like the sort of golden eye brutalist sound to the music as well. Like I'm not sure if you uh, specifically meant uh, reference the game Golden Eye over the film, but I definitely get Golden Eye game vibes in some of the music choices. Mm. And, it, it feels and the like thing facility. just looks like a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It just it's you know. It looks like an N64 render kind of brought to life this whole environment in in the best possible way. This and is- I love the idea that it creates to add not to add to that, but like the notion of silhouettes actually factor really well in here as well. Like the way that they're utilizing the lighting mm-hmm. and the figures themselves, they're either they're clear or you can see them in silhouette is something to have both Nomi and Bond being presented fighting and shooting in silhouette is a very James Bond esque mm-hmm. 007 
element. Although I just looked at that and thought Squid Games. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Down there. Whoa. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was a callback to Dr. No. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it's a callback to Dr. No. I just went in a whole different direction. <laughs> I was like, the, what? The, the, it's the a pink giant pot noodle mm. making factory. That's and right. they're just slowly stirring the pot noodle. I think there's in. more nutrition in that acid. But... <laughs> I, I, you know, this, you're supposed to get this kind of linear idea of like that's the farm and that's the factory, but it doesn't. Did you grow? It, you don't understand how anything is made, or I don't know. It's it, you know what I mean. I, I get, I get them notionally. I understand it, but it still doesn't right. make I'm sense. Gonna, I'm mm. gonna go back to. Um, one of our favorite topics offline, which is alien and aliens, right? Is those films, <laughs> those films, had, those films, had, yeah, right. um, those films had to explain a very complicated um, sequence of events, right? That happened in the creature and it's pieced out over those films and they kind of, right. you don't get any of that with this. Yes. Yeah. How are they made? Don't know. Where did they come from? Well, we kind of, it was it was them in a bio lab, but it's a nanobot. So what's a nanobot doing in a bio lab? Why have we got organic materials here? What's the thing with the poison? Why have we got flowers in the intro? It's like none of it connects. None of it. No, it doesn't. And even even when you know, as long as you as long as you build a world, you can accept what you see within it, right? Hmm. But if if you're just shown disparate random stuff and told that they somehow connect, which is a a crime that the Bond series has made over the last couple of films um you can't you can't accept it i don't understand how he's killing millions here and how what his what his plan of delivery is or why he wants to kill them or how, what the what the stuff's made of or you know so that these are fundamental things yes um whereas nobody, you in, know, russia, nobody in russia dies according to that map yes but, but with with mm-hmm. these fundamental things like kind of not being told to us in in aliens you kind of as you get drip fed this stuff and even though mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense you still buy it because you were told it in a well, because it's conceptually integral yes right? exactly and i will this, say this, this i ended up watching black widow after i saw this and i know some people don't like it i thought it was a really awesome film and i love it but there was the moment where you have black widow with the villain and like the whole plot and the map are there and it's being explained and i literally sat there saying this is what i wanted from no time to die like it. i wanted this moment where you're going to tell me the significance because once i do then i'm like kill him <laughs> save the women like i was so on board because i knew you the, the, the driving you motivation what the stakes were and yes. you don't know what the, you don't really know what the stakes are here only that bond has told you that millions of people will die yes. i can't imagine that you would actually want safin to go all right then i'm a russian <laughs> <laughs> excellent ray winston impression yeah, that was spot on <laughs> well you know it was better than his russian <laughs> and that was that was that kind of took me out of the film a little bit but anyway this again did calvin you'll agree with me on this probably it's like when she's like this is fucking gonna burn your eyes out and i know that this is she's being metaphorical here but there's a mm. tiny part of me that's like is she being metaphorical <laughs> Is she really going to blind him? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think in in some of this some of this nuance, there's an element of going, 
I don't actually know what they were trying to say. <laughs> I guess it's because we don't really know. What is that in the tea? Is that from the plant that Matilda was going to touch earlier on? Yeah. Or... yeah. So yeah. Th- that's what I understand right. it to be. Like It's supposed to be like the soporific drug right you see but, so yes. i i know okay. i thought it was gonna i thought it was gonna be something that made her blind because there's the line that Safin gives about <laughs> her making her see and then yeah. obviously primo doesn't go yeah. blind because he's got a bionic eye so it doesn't affect him right but then the threat mm-hmm. of this will blind you doesn't work because it won't blind him she does she does say um it'd be a crime to lose both eyes or something like that so i think she knows that it, it's It'd take away his one yeah, then, remaining eye, I suppose. But. If to do that, you have to ingest it, then why throw it in his face? I mean, that's... <laughs> so she can get out the room. Well, I know that. But yeah. it's like... You don't want to be asking these questions, right, as you're right. entering this... <laughs> this you know, I don't mean that... I mean, as an audience in the, in the right. cinema, you don't want to be going, what did she just do at the moment yeah. you're getting the confrontation between the, these two? Right. Mm. So I want to yeah. bring a point here, which is in the trailers, obviously they, Matilda is not seen in the trailers, right? And they right. have shots of this sequence. I always thought, oh, they're going dig- to, they digitally removed her from the trailer. But I think there's a right. lot of shots in this where she wasn't physically there because it's guys with guns right. and stuff. Um, and so gotcha. they probably shot her separately on green screen and comped her in to a lot of these scenes. I don't. He does interact with her a lot, though. Well, like it, only, in clo- only in close up, though. Only in close up. I think James, you're probably right that they did shoot around her a lot. I don't think she see. I don't think she CGI'd in, but I do think they it, shot. It really, around it really her. looks it on the wide shots. It really right. looks like they they comped her in, but like, we won't know until we get the 4K because then yeah. you can kind of zoom in and have a look at it. Something, mm. something I've I noticed about this um, did. Did they shoot this scene together, Daniel Craig and Rami Malek? Because I, I, it feels like Rami Malek's eyeline is just a little bit too high. It feels like he's not looking at Bond. Yeah, I it agree. is too yeah. high. Yeah. Well, he's sitting, um, and initially Bond was standing, and I wonder whether you know they shot his reversals, and then they decided if it. This is why blocking is so important prior to shooting so that you know where to put your where your eye lines are going to match up and yeah i i agree i think you know they i think on the one hand they're trying to cut around madeline and on another hand they're just not quite getting the like so they're coming in for these low angles it 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 does feel a little bit off like they're both looking up towards each other somehow even though they're both seated Yeah, and one of the things you do about reversals, especially when you've got, um, you know, two powerful kind of uh, characters in the scene, you know, you want there's supposed to be a power dynamic. And when Bond is on his knees, really, you want to be shooting Safin in a, in a way that makes him look more right. powerful within it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, what, what we have here is that because we're not getting a real sense of uh, who's dominating in in these reversals? It feels it, he feels weakened within it. Well, the, the other problem is they start the scene on their knees. So for Bond to then submit, he has to lie prone. Yeah, which is totally totally unnatural. Yeah, that he does that. He's almost like kissing his feet. Type. And also, Bond is 
Bond's mid shot is kind of more squared on and closer, whereas Malik's is, you know, a bit further back. I, I think you're right. It's in the blocking, Ben. This is the first scene in the entire film, which is no bad feat, really, two and a bit hours in. But it's the first yeah. scene that kind of drags for me. And I think it's just because it's so still. It would have been great yeah. if Malik was higher than Bond towards the end, if he stands up and has that power yeah. over him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. And I think this focused shot as well, where, the, where they drop focus right out on the background, gradually and then sharpening on on bond is it's an interesting choice but it kind of when i when i was in the in the cinema and i was quite close to the screen it just it was quite jarring on the smaller screen it's not so apparent but i don't like really necessarily being i like film technique but i don't necessarily like being reminded of film technique if that makes sense Mm-hmm. It kind of pulls me out a little bit when you when you see it being kind of really used. Obviously, this um, I think in the production notes it says that Tilsley designed this as the family game room for Safin's family. <laughs> mm. Super I, I, fun, uh, yeah, super fun. Table <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle. Right, where's the where's the ping pong table? Yeah, ping yeah, ping pong table in the middle. That's the ballroom. Do you think the floor was designed for when someone was losing at Monopoly so they could just press the button and <laughs> then the whole board just goes up? <laughs> I, I still believe, and I know everybody disagrees with me, but I, I still believe this is a nod to the man with the golden gun thing where they pushes the button disappears. Instead of the shield coming down, it's the same kind I of think gimmick. it's more like the um, trapdoor in the castle at the end of um in the novel yeah okay i'll buy that oh no see it, it just reminds me of the floor in the club in live and let die yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's what they were going for well you know that because of the tatami mats it makes me kind of think that they're definitely going for the japanese thing right so that's where i kind of lean more into the uh you only live twice kind of thing how did he miss? It's mm-hmm. very easy. So a tiny little barrel on that he thing. He shot the guards <laughs> who were armed. Oh, he shot the guard. Yeah. I but... thought he was aiming for Safin's head. Oh, no, he He's... shot the guards first because he didn't think Safin was armed. And technically speaking, he would have been sort of right. Oh, I missed the whole guard thing. I'm just like, dude is right in front of you. <laughs> like, wasn't expecting it. This is such an odd scene. I, I, I have to believe that it was filmed in multiple, uh, uh, several different ways. There's a shot in yeah. the trailer in this location where Safin like has a gun and he raises it. And I do wonder if in a version of this, she did actually escape and he was like maybe going to mm-hmm. shoot after her or something. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just the fact that he makes it away with her at all is quite weird because... She meets I've, right back up with Bond and Madeline in a couple of scenes anyway. So it's I've, kind of, I don't know what this gets you story-wise. Um, I, don't, I don't know anybody who understands the logic of that moment. Yeah. I, I think, it's a gag, but it, 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 it yeah, it's a, it's a gag at an awkward point where I'm kind of like, uh, I already don't understand what this guy's motivations are and this just confuses things further. The, the, the worst yeah. part of that scene is that it gives, there's a very crucial bit of, con- of um, context there that we need for the story that he talks about, the buyers arriving. And it's so easy to miss. Mm. 
Yeah. yeah. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so what and, is and, now... and, who are, and who are the buyers? Because, I mean, surely M would be interested to know who they are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, yeah, but what if the buyers are other governments? Or what if the buyers That's are the, exactly. part of the UK government? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Hang on a second. So he isn't going to commit mass genocide. He's just selling it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. There was a subtitle there from Obrachev about West African something. It's I, I, my first time seeing this with subtitles, so I think in the cinema, this his lines are kind of drowned out by some of the gunfire. Um, what was that? Anyone pick that up? Uh, he had some. He said something about I've got a, a good vial for whoa, your people whoa, or something. Whoa, right? whoa. <laughs> no, he basically was just I'm super racist, and then she was just like, okay, then bye. Okay. I mean, I know this bit where he says about um, wiping out your race, and then she yeah kicks him. But I I love that line from her. I know it's some people um, find it very cheesy, and it is cheesy. But oh, it's great. Look yeah, at I that like set. Look that huge set that is just basically like for this one thing. Um, do we know the paintings? Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, with that exchange, money, the better title would would have been and a time to die rather than no time to die. Right. Because that was a 1970 Hawaii Five O episode title, oh. and a time to die. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's why I'm the spy commander, right, dudes? Um, are the Monets a deliberate spy who love me? I, I, I just took that as like a nod to throwing stolen paintings into villain spaces, kind of. Okay. To keep the continuation of those going. Why they're Monet's lilies. Lilies make sense because he has some in his um, garden. The water lilies. Well, I, I just I just thought, of course, um, obviously, um, Fukunaga's mentioned that he was a Spy Love Me fan, wasn't he? And Monet did the cinematography for Spy Love Me. That's right. That mm. was Renoir. Renoir, sorry. No, ignore me then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, French artists. Yeah. <laughs> Easy to mix them up. <laughs> this is a nice so, moment coming up, Bond, and when he mouths family. Sorry, Sean, I cut you off. No, 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 no. I was about to say the same thing. And also, I was going to ask: Is that set was did they build all the way down, or is it a very clever <laughs> map painting? <laughs> Good updates. It would be a painting. I mean, shit for Doctor No. If it, if it was like more than twenty feet, it was a painting. Nurses <laughs> <laughs> just, just walking into walls, thinking it's the corridor. That looks really, really wet there. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but um, in the final act, when they're shooting in M's office, it's handheld to give it a little bit of. Um, Un, un, unease versus mm. Mm. everything is um, obviously locked off and uh, strictly handheld. It's a style of role. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So you got two double agent, double agents. You're not quite finished your mission. Let's pack one of them off. Well, does, does it make uh, sense? I For mean, what they wanted was, to do, I guess. <laughs> I guess he wanted to ensure that. His wife and child were gonna live, and therefore he trusted Nomi enough with his wife and his child to protect right. them. I think that's yeah. actually a pretty 
big but, but surely Nomi should be like, you know what? That's your family. You go. I'll stay and get something. But she's like, no, I'm out of here. Right, thanks. Oh, I'm out. Yeah, that's true. She should have gone like, actually, I'm the 007. You know, you uh, you go off and have a happy sunset life and uh, I'll, I'll risk myself because I'm actually the one who's, you know, signed up for Getting this. Getting paid to do it. Yeah. It does, the, the lighting and everything did strike me as a bit of um, that fever dream, you and have twice stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there's, to me, it's, I mean, obviously this is very video gamey, but in terms of lighting, it's, it's, I've said it before, German expressionism, um, kind of, uh, there's, there's a lot of Russian influence in there as well. Um, I, I think it's kind of beautifully shot. Um, mm. I, I, but it also reminds me a little bit of kind of the um, dreamlike kind of stuff that they, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think of the artist. Uh, you're sure. the Hitchcock expert, Calvin. What's the film where uh, there's the big? Is it Spellbound? Where they? Uh, got... Oh, with the, the whole dream sequence yeah, one. With it's the sort of got like, yeah, weird disjointed dreamy quality that that you get in that. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I know obviously they're very different films. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Spellbound has that uh, Salvador Dali dream sequence in it. Vertigo yeah. is the one that I always think of as being like just the whole thing is just like one big kind of dream vibe. Right, uh, right. But Hitchcock was very good at doing that, and uh, I think uh, this feels kind of you know dreamlike, um, and almost not that you know Hitchcock would really do a big final gunfight in a bomb movie, but that would have been interesting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the explosion I thought was the Pinewood uh, incident. Mm. Uh, but no, it was lab coats. It's the uh, lab, the lab explosion at the beginning. Yeah. Interesting. This we're getting into. There's your gun barrel. We're getting into the uh, the one take. Uh, I like. Is it? They also it, did the. Is it one take though? Uh, you know four what? It looks more like one take than the Spectre one did. You can see the seams here 100%, too, but it... 100%. Oh, I yep. think I think the seams are less notable noticeable here than in the Spectre uh, one. In the Spectre one, they definitely linger on so like Agreed. a poster a little bit too long. He's fine. Those three grenades, fine. I'm fine. Just brush it off. <laughs> this, I mean, this is very well done. Extraction. I don't know if you saw that movie with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Uh, does this kind of action extremely well and but except does it for two hours um i if you haven't seen that movie guys i'd recommend it it's very good but um this um you know if you just want something actiony this but this this whole kind of over the shoulder stuff you're very really in in the action aren't you i I, that's um um, i think they say that in the making of but it's immersive yeah this is the this is sequence when uh Amazon did the uh, preview. Oh, this is what they this is what they previewed the one take. Yeah, the four the, the four one. minute preview. Yes, but you know they've they've done a lot of these one takes. Even Daredevil, famously, you know the TV show did, it became a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know when they started off with that corridor fight, I think it was season one, and then they did another one in season two, and then they did the I think the hospital or jail breakout that they did season three. Um. If I'm getting that wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, but it's well, it was, wasn't Fukunaga when he was interviewed early on in this. 
um, asked, like, are you going to do one of those big long take things like you did yeah. in that show you did? And yeah. he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it is nice. I do, I do like feeling as in the thick of it as, as we are. We're really with yeah. Bond on this. Mm. And it also yeah. kind of makes you realize how how he is, you know, he is very lucky, but he's also very skillful. And it's just, you know, these very near misses. I think he's got one of those loyalty cards for explosions. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get up to 10 stamps, you get a, a Navy ship to blow you up. That really tickled me. <laughs> well, he's been blown up so many times in this movie, and I think those three grenades counted as one stamp each, and he was just like, yes, now I can go up. <laughs> like my prize. Uh, hey. Well, <laughs> that, that went down very well in the premiere as well. Yeah. Oh, it did, yeah. yeah. I loved it. I, yeah, it was it was a great way to finish that um, that sequence as well to bring us kind of back in. It's a uh, you know, yeah, nice kind of like punchy end to it. Kind of relief. This whole thing mm. where Q is like, you need to do this in a very specific <laughs> right. order. Like he's it. literally risking his life and his family and the world and all these people in the world, and he doesn't go, okay, Q, I'll give it a couple of minutes. I'll work out. Tell me what I need to do. He's just like, fuck it. But that's 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 Craig's bond, isn't he? He's a blunt yeah. instrument. Mm. But like the chances I, I, of him getting it wrong are <laughs> <laughs> massive. This this film did um break a lot of conventions on the publicity because the first shot we got released yes, from was this in front film of this wheel. was in mm. front of this wheel at the end of the film. And all yeah. the trailers had the last sequences in them and we have still photography from the last act, which is never released usually right. prior to the film. Mm. Was this, that was this don't care shot anymore. first? Ah, Good question. Be. Early on, it must have been. I just want to live on that base. It's such a shame it blew up. <laughs> it was so awesome. So... I talked to Lisa about this um, separately, but if you look very closely, you know, we've always had this contention about why female characters go by first names and male characters go by last names in mm -hmm. the Bond movies. Mm -hmm. If you look closely at this Q's graphics, it says Bond, comma, J, and it says Nomi, comma, M. M? So Nomi, oh. Nomi is her last name. It's oh. not her first name. And that is an exclusive reveal, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why Bond Twitter loves this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that this one. interesting. That is. So we don't get to know what her first name is. Hmm. Madge. Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> I thought M was just a randomly assigned letter. <laughs> <laughs> but that does really change the power dynamics of that, her right. identity in this film. Hey, yeah, imagine though if she pops up in future as an M. Oh. Oh, oh. They've laid oh, the seeds. 
That's gonna hurt. That one too. Right in the tush. Mm-hmm. Also, in early production, still it was literally um, Safin putting yep. a bullet in behind. <laughs> I've never noticed the big lettuce before behind Saffin. Mm. I thought it was kale. <laughs> <laughs> Arugula kill. Oh. <laughs> um, that was so brutal. Um, yeah. And it great. actually got a, a, an audible gasp from the audience when mm. he did that. It was like a very, like, yeah, you know, he just got shot. Of course he's going to break his mouth. <laughs> I saw it in the cinema four times with sort of like, you know, obviously the crowd sort of diminished in size, in size as time went on, but every single time that got a ooh kind of moment, mm-hmm. you could hear it. Yeah. As, as the celery snaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do hate this scene, though. I, yeah. It's very... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it other than I just cringe. There is something about this whole performance. Uh, well, well, Rami Malek, well, I just don't like it. That the, like... Uh, one of the drafts of Spectre, like Bond shot Blofeld in the head, not the not right before they filmed, but just before that, the draft before that. So it's like with this movie, they like they brought that stuff back. Bond shoots Saffin yeah. instead of Blofeld in the head, and like all the references to, you know, uh, you know. Anyway, just the you know, there's a, there's a lot of recycling. From... A lot of recycling, you know. Anyway, just wanted to say that. Like I've been sitting back listening to you guys, but like, yeah. I th- I think that what's interesting here is that on the first time I saw this, and I don't know if you you guys will will agree that I didn't initially understand no. What had happened here, and I didn't mm. understand what had yeah. happened until Bond gets back up until the control room, and I kind of, but that was only through my own kind of piecing it together in my mind. It wasn't because the story had sort of told me that, if that makes sense. I do, and, I do, I do like how Bond doesn't even have to look where he's yeah. aiming to do that. Yeah, it's a nice character moment. But um, Ben, to your point, the audio was so bad in the premiere screening that I saw that you couldn't make out what. Saffin was saying at the end, and then I went to see it at IMAX, and it was pin sharp. Oh, like you could yeah. hear what he was saying. Okay, well that's that's good because I genuinely the previous screening there was I just didn't understand what he said at all. Um, but well, the well, is, can I interrupt real quick again? Yeah, all, we have all the time in the world. That was like the last line in the Spectre script. And then, like, they bring it back for, like, two, three, four, however many times. And then they, of course, bring the whole Louis Armstrong, you know, song back. And then, of course, you know, again, what I just said, like, in the Spectre script, Bond, like, blasted Blofeld's brains out in Mm -hmm. one of the drafts. So, yeah, they brought all of that back in this film. Yeah. That's why, Mike. So I have a way of, I think, improving the ending to this. Because I think some of, the, um, some of the criticisms of this are that he is almost committing suicide at this point versus sacrificing himself for the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so the callback to Q in the pajamas 
when I saw the levers of these gears the first time, I was like, oh, they're going to do a callback because, you know, Abuta kills Fukunaga's first Bond movie. They're going to pull a Mayday and have him hold the thing down to keep them open. Mm. And Bond's line could have been, sometimes a trigger needs to be pulled. Ah. Oh, yeah. meaning, a, meaning a trigger on the clutch. Except in Quantum of Solace, Bond seriously contemplated suicide. Yes. When, when, like, he and, uh, when you know, in the, the fight. And, yeah. yeah. And, I, like, he almost did it, but then he saw the thing he shot instead and, like, it blasted yeah. everything. But, yeah. So, it's, like, you can say Quantum of Solace established that Bond, uh, excuse me, Craig I, Bond thought about suicide back as, as far as that. The original, the original Moonraker novel, Bond. It intends to blow up the Moonraker rocket by having a cigarette underneath it. Yep. Right. Um, so he knows that it would be suicide, but he intends to do it. Um, you know that that whole notion of giving up your life for your for the mission or for for the greater good or for whatever your 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 choice or your reasonings. Um, that's already very much in the dna of of fleming's bond so it's this is not unusual really um it's, but it, i it, i would put i would like to permission uh, petition eon to put james's line in because i think that would have been perfect it's not even my line i'm just recycling one from <laughs> skyfall no i know but that's that's why it works so well and it would just have just have been just to be Especially great. as Q's in his pajamas. I mean, right. to me, mm. it was like I, I knew that's where it was going to go, and when it didn't, I was like, "What?" Mm. I would, I would, I would pay them. No, I wouldn't. But I would strongly encourage them to go back and do an <laughs> insert. I wouldn't pay them. It would cost fifty million dollars. And <laughs> uh, well, the I, other I thing see. you have to remember too is he has been shot multiple times. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Would would he know, have made it off the island through. anyway? Yeah, like he's he was shot at least four times. Then uh, one mm -hmm. of them is, you know, clearly like a pretty bad chest wound. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. so I don't think blood. he's got long anyway. You know, this is all very kind of. Yeah, he has a big blood stain in the back and, and the front. Big blood stain right. in the front. And the so again, the front crit of criticism of Eon here of not going the full nine yards with it because. They shot him up so that did he have a choice? Right. Versus actually making a choice, making the decision. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the here's the other thing I wanted to point out that a lot of people didn't get when they first saw this movie was that it's not that he can get off the island and just not interact with Madeline and his daughter. Yeah. It's that the nanobots spread and they will yeah. eventually get to right. them. He, he can't interact with anybody right yeah. at this point. So cool. that's, that's although, really why this happened. Although with the nanobots, like they created the uh, properties of nanobots to kill off Bond. And so like they could have tweaked it if they wanted Bond to survive. I guess, but yeah, it's, but it's, but that's 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 a minor point. It, it's, it, it's, again, worth, it's all worth. It's this performance is just fantastic. Anyway, yeah. like it's a, it's such a wonderful sort of false stop to Craig's performance. And and Sean, I agree with you. And it's just like all that other stuff is details. Mm -hmm. It's just it's 
this is what it was, and they wanted to kill off Bond, and they did it pretty well. So that's I why. Hate I, it. That's, well, that, well, that's why I gave it an A minus. But like, I know other people disagree with me. So there you go. I it, it, it's. I've really had to do a lot of uh, like because because it, it is all there in the script, it, but I think the script goes into overdrive to develop reasons to why this has to happen and why this is inevitable and all that kind of stuff. And it, it it's one of those things where yeah, you know what they can write it however they want, and it's this whole thing about nanobots will travel through people and eventually get to them. It's just it's I yeah, well, well, it's it's well, a contrivance well, well, too many for me. Well, the real reason was because okay, they were developing the script in 2017. It's like, oh, Hugh Jackman was like dying as Wolverine. It's well, according like, to recent interviews, Craig, part of Craig's deal to do the whole thing from 2005 was that they'd kill him right. off. Right, exactly. Oh, wow. And so it's like, oh, Daniel Craig, oh, Hugh Jackman's getting to get a big uh, <laughs> death scene. I want one of those. So anyway, but again, we can only evaluate the movie as it played out. And it's like, it played out pretty well. And, mm. and like, you know, again, the, the whole Craig thing is like a, a separate thing, you know, five yeah. films, separate universe, etc. So yeah, I, um, can I, I, I was just surprised they didn't have a Hildebrand bookmark mm-hmm. in that. Yeah, I, I just want to say on this scene, the, the lighting here, I love the mm-hmm. use of, again, a single lighting source, and that single lighting source represents what's missing. Yeah. It's that mm. gap. Yeah, I, I think um, you've got a good eye for this stuff, Sean. Um, and it's uh, it, it's lovely to come on a, sh- on, on a podcast like this and a show like this and get all these different... <laughs> Uh, reads because you you pick up stuff that you you might not have picked up yourself. So um, yeah, nice. And, and here does yeah. does, Mad, does Madeline drive like the same line as the DB five? Yeah. Well, why would she go all the way back to Norway, pick up the car, drive it to Italy? Because she has all the time in the world. Since we. <laughs> <laughs> Because then you get this wonderful shot, James, of the car going into the tunnel, and uh, I know. Then you when get a was... single white dot, and that's how the film ends. Yeah, I know. Um, but Detective. when we were piecing together the scene order early in the days, because we do the detective work on this, it's like, why have they got the V8 in Italy? And it's like, oh yeah, it's the end scene, isn't it? Mm. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. How how do you guys feel about the song? Too much. I think George David Arnold said it best when he said it. It's the song about Bond losing his wife, so they can't use it for anything else. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it would have been a great surprise to hear like uh, Billie Eilish doing it at the credits. Having Mm. having the actual song from the actual Honor Majesty's movie, it just felt it just felt inorganic and weird to me. I didn't mind the the riffs and using the melody throughout in the score, but like Mm. when Louis Armstrong kicked in, I just was it was really pulled me out of the moment. Mm. Well, Billy Eilish doing it would have been lovely. Yeah. Well, my wife gave it the movie overall a B, but like she really did not like rehashing. We have all the time in the world the multiple references in the film and the film and the song. So I think it's, I I get it. it, It's kind of missing 
it's trying to be the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, but kind of missing that very clever thing that they do at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where, and I know mm. a lot of people call it out and say that because they play the James Bond theme at the very end, you have the sad music and then it goes into a lovely rendition mm-hmm. of Bond theme. And people kind of say that that's uh, like a bit inappropriate and doesn't quite match, but I think it's perfect because you're still then walking out the cinema with a sort right. of a bit of triumph. You're not walking out on a downer. And that's what they've kind of missed here. Yeah. I think, I I mean, it's not just a, it's not really just a downer, is it? I mean, it's kind of such a punch in the face. I I don't (laughs) like, I, 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 for one, really love this film. We we all know that. Um, I I stand by that um, take on it. Um, And I think he should have, yeah, you know, I'm glad that he that they did what they did. Um, did it still knock me down? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely had an emotional resonance to it, and I think, um, you know, if they'd have rolled in with a with a with the Bond theme, it would have been such a kind of jarring. Yeah. I don't know. There would there would have been more of a sense of triumph, though, and a sense that Bond saved the world, even though he sacrificed himself, and then a kind of also a sense maybe subconsciously with the audience that Bond's going to carry on a little bit. Cause a lot of people walked out of this film feeling sad and then going, well, Bond's never going to come back. A lot of people didn't get to the, get to the, the bit we're about to see. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm. You know, at all. Uh, I had to basically, you know, on my second viewing, I had to basically kind of stop people from getting up. Not, <laughs> not that they were like, <laughs> was sit, right. down. sit down. <laughs> you need to know that he would dance. Um, did, did you do your best, Roger? Sit. <laughs> well, I, uh, but even the folks who saw it seemed kind of pissed off about it. Like, well, well then that was for nothing. They didn't understand that, that, that there's certain traditions and tropes that you have in there. But man, I don't know that there was any fix to the end credits. Like, uh, the the thing that jarred everyone, and I've said this to you guys separately, that my, my wife sobbed for 20 minutes after this movie ended, but but we've been told for 60 years that that ending wasn't going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, 60 mm-hmm. years of James Bond will return. And to have to have it uh, literally blow up in your face, right. um, w- w- it was just a, oh, such a hard pivot uh, from the, from the, just the fabric of the franchise. Yeah. And, uh, on a that's metaphysical been level. That's, that's been the Craig Ear in a nutshell, hasn't it? Yeah, he's the outlier. He's This mm. has been the Daniel Craig experiment where we are doing all the things Bond has never done before. We learn about Bond's childhood. We see him become 007. We see him retire. We see him, you know, uh, lose, you know, weep over M. It's 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 all been coloring in between the lines of the things that, that we know and love about the character. Right. Um, I think dying sort of rips the metaphysical fabric of the thing a little bit in a way that people aren't quite ready to get their heads around. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, this is one of the reasons why I like Craig's tenure the most, I think, really because you do get arcs, you get character development, you get emotional resonance um, mm. rather than just kind of this essentially a cipher for a character, you know. Uh, moving through with with the other actors um here you really do get get that 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 fleshed out character but also you go on a journey with them and i think that that's why these films have i mean they haven't all worked and this and it hasn't all been road mapped out properly and we and we'd all know that 
Um, but I think the essence of what they were trying to do is there. And um, I think you can, sometimes you can look at a view and look past the, the pylons and look to, you know, look, look to the good stuff, I guess. Sure. That's a good metaphor. I like that. I was struck by that film when I first saw the credits. I was like, all these Canadian tax breaks. And I was like, oh yeah, because Danny Boyle, um, they did all those deals for Danny Boyle's production to shoot in Canada, credits. and they still have the credits. There's one product placement in there that I've still I've still not spotted. Um, Halo Five, where's that? Oh, I oh, think that's yeah. in um, Jamaica, uh, where Bond is being introduced to Logan Ash. They pass some guys like on the side, like playing a game. Ah, I think it's there. Oof, that's a fl- that's a splinking you miss it. Mm. Yeah, I literally only noticed that on this uh, watch through I, I, as well. I spotted it the first time. I know Halo Five is in one of the Mission Impossible movies, but it's just yeah, really odd. Speaking so, of odd, there's five shipping c- c- companies listed, and I thought right. DHL was supposed to be doing all that. <laughs> there was the United <laughs> Artists logo that I was sort of hoping to see at the beginning of the film. Ah, it is there, Sean. I've just skimmed back. Yeah. Ah, uh, you talk about the United Artists, United Artists. Releasing logo, it's at the very end. Right. The end titles. So here's an interesting thing. Will this be the last movie watch along <laughs> for how long do we think? We'll oh, take we've got the sixteenth year- anniversary to figure out, haven't we, next yeah. year? So we'll think of something to do. I think curated watch alongs with like, you know, select panels and mm. you know, new voices in the mix would be maybe yep. interesting. I, agree. I think so. I think it's one of the things. Look, on the one hand, I have absolutely loved having a, a fairly solid watch-along panel to to enjoy these films with. On the flip side of that, it's always great, as I said a little earlier, that um, you know you get these new voices coming in and you get different takes on things. I love um, that Sean can come in with his design background and pick out mm-hmm. just certain things, like just like the use of lighting or the use of color that I haven't necessarily picked up on. Maybe I picked up on some sort of more subconscious level. Um, and so it's, it, it fleshes these, these movies out for me um, a lot. So, you know, whether it's Bill with his kind of like um, his, his files of knowledge, um, you know, we all get, we're all bringing something to the table to kind of, uh, to hopefully flesh out these experiences a bit, you know, these watch-alongs a bit, bit more. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're doing them. So if you're listening at home and um, appreciate not everybody's on Twitter, especially not now, that um, <laughs> so we've set up uh, an email because we're going old school. So if you have any ideas for future watch-alongs or just want to give us some feedback and comments, you can email us at contact at jamesbondandfriends.com. All one word. No. Um, so hopefully we'll do a viewer mailbag, maybe episode. <laughs> so I'm, I'm can, so going to do I that get, under some can, pseudonyms. Can I make a uh, quick uh, closing remark? Mm-hmm. So um, it's been an interesting experience. All these watch-alongs. Um, everybody has like a different viewpoint and. Uh, those are very valuable. So, you know, go ahead and listen to those viewpoints. Um, 
that's all I have to say. Cause like, yeah, if you want to hear what I have to say, like go to the spike man, because from here on out, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, that's it. Yay. Thanks. For <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Birds. It's been, uh, it's been really, really good having, uh, having you on the team and, um, doing these watch alongs with you really and and everybody as well i should say uh, it's been really nice to have uh have such a good good group of people i've always considered myself a guest uh that has crashed a party and it's always it's always a great time when i'm when i'm asked <laughs> to join join in on the fun but uh yeah i, I i'm i'm definitely not going to watch any more james bond junior with you guys uh, oh, we've got like 56 to go Phil. you can go straight to hell <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh y- yeah it's going to be interesting to see what what we do with our our sort of fandom in in the coming months and years because i th- i think we're due for i think we're in for another long haul of uh yep. a, a bondless uh existence <laughs> we are yes. in a very long haul i would say i would uh, agree with that yeah well we've got a few couple of books uh the game uh coming in the next couple of years uh, oh, it's nice that we've got too. things on the horizon well i i i i will just say i suspect no one will care a damn what i have to say but anyway there you go that's not true i i to your point kevin about the game and the, the books i think the thing that has changed in through the craig era to, for me is that if you add up all the non-film output, so comics, mm. books, games, and that kind of stuff, I, I, even if you combine it all, I, I don't think it adds up to much in the general fandom compared to there's a movie in production. It's just, oh yeah, doesn't no. it doesn't yeah. have the same weight that it used to have. Uh, mm. Oh no, it 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 doesn't. But I agree with you. Like I felt the lack of well, certainly games because I'm a game bond game geek um but the books as well it felt like you know particularly when i was you know uh growing up in the brosnan era and stuff it always mm. felt like there was something coming oh, and the movies are obviously the big showcase um the, the the biggest element of it but there's always just other things there for you know people like us yeah. who, who are you know geeks for this sort of thing yeah i just remember like when charlie hickson launched the um young bond series and that was everywhere mm. in in popular culture um I, I just don't see. I feel like it well, didn't make a splash in America. Well, it, for it to be on like news items in the UK and to I be see. on the TV, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like just to get traction uh, in in mass media. Um, I just don't see us having that again until we have a new Bond, and that's yeah. Uh, plus, but plus as as uh, as Calvin says, there's there's lots of different media. We I know we've got some new Double O adventures coming along which i'm quite excited about uh from uh yeah kim, kim Sherwood. yeah i think i'm very excited to to see what she has to um to offer and to how she's going to expand uh the universe i think it's a really exciting and cool gig for her so uh you know excited by that and and games as well the, the new game that's coming i, th- I think that's going to be uh really interesting now that you know i certainly in the past they haven't always been the best but right. i think things have moved along and there's been time for development and stuff so i'll be really interested to see where where the, that, that game goes um and and also what that means in terms of um you know now that we don't have a face necessarily to apply mm-hmm. to a character right 
that, that's what I mean about us kind of slipping in the media dark ages a little bit for a while. Yeah. And um, almost like circadian rhythms, there's a lot of fans are going to drop off the map, I think, for a while. Well, I would also agree with the idea that the first Young Bond novels by Higson did did get some attention. The Steve Cole novels, not as much, but no. uh, but anyway, but still. And then, like these new novels have been announced. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, and we still have uh, uh, what's his name's uh, third Bond novel, Horowitz. Uh, Horowitz, yeah. Yeah. So. So we're going to have like two novels in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so Bond continues. Bond is dead. Long live Bond. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, thanks for joining us for all these watch alongs. And you know what? Maybe in like 2031 or whatever it is, we'll do Bond 26. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I think, um, I, I think, I think James Bond and Francis has got the, the potential to kind of go down some some interesting roads, like you, you know, we like we we built. I'm the first person to say we we you know we tease you a little bit on the on the Hawaii Five O stuff, but actually, I'd, I'd be really interested to see a. I'd be really interested to have an episode that was kind of like really looking at all of these connections and callbacks to that that particular period, you know, and um, in the same way that other people have their their expertise on. You know, like, be great to do a um, you know video game one with with, with Calvin. So, so we're going to retire the Klaxon now for a little bit, and um... yeah. yeah, yeah. When I get bare, you can put the Klaxon on my grave. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that'll be the button that you press to tell us you're not dead. <laughs> um, oh my god! It's, I think Calvin's laugh just reminds me of. Jimmy Carr's laugh. Oh, no. <laughs> People told me that I look like him, so that's oh, that's not good. No, Literally, not. when I when I worked at Tesco when I was like 16, 17, 18, it would happen more like every few months. It'd be like, "Sorry, do, uh, like, have you, do you get this often? Because you look just like Jimmy Carr from the TV." Like, oh, oh, no. I'm so sorry. What a what a thing. You've yeah, uncovered some past trauma there. Oh, I'm sorry, Calvin. For what it's worth, you're a much better looking man than he is. Oh. And you pay your taxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, I do. God, I don't know why I'm single to them. I don't. <laughs> anyway. Right. Well, on that note. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. So Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Mm-hmm. I'm not a